Episode 225. What is going on over there? Oh, with my hair? It's, oh, it's out of control. I know. Look you, at you've said over and over again on this podcast mm-hmm. that your wife literally doesn't even ask you. Nope. She makes appointments when it's time for you to go get your hair cut. Yeah. Has she not looked at you? I mean, you are married <laughs> for a long time. When was the last time she looked at you? Well, it's very contentious in our household about oh. the haircut routine. Okay. Yeah. Did I touch a nerve? Well, no, it's just... My mom would say, did you touch a nerve? Looked at it. She makes appointments for me. Yeah, like I the, know. The last one she made, I didn't go. Oh, and she was that explain. Well... She was hot. For a couple reasons. A few reasons, yes. Number one... She hates the way it looks. Number two... <laughs> uh, the person who cuts the hair is a friend of ours. Number three... We ended up paying for it anyway. The friend charged you for it? Yeah. Because you didn't show... Yeah, I, and you didn't even have the decency to call her and say, "Hey, not I'm not true. coming." I actually tried to come. I go, "I'm going to be about 15 minutes late. Is that any good?" Nope, can't do it. I'm I'm coloring another woman's hair. I can't leave. You know, it was a whole thing. I, she no, may want to. She may want to color your hair. Just no. <laughs> sorry, you're talking about people's <laughs> hair color. I just want to make sure I know who's who's saying this, this right is, now. This is blonde. Is that what friend. that is? Okay. <laughs> this is my blonde look. So yeah, it's it's not good. The hair. She's well, really upset with it. Well, let me just tell you, as a yeah. guy looking at you right yeah, now, yeah. it's not. good. Good. That's no good? No. Too long? Way too long. Yeah? Like way too long. Like maybe you could get away with it if you were a kid. For those that, that But you're don't... not a kid. You're a middle-aged man. <laughs> For those that... Time to act like one. Who don't know what it looks like. I, I actually went into the salon. I said, give me the Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> and it, where it looks just like him. <laughs> it's funny because oh. I saw Steve Bannon. I'm like... That's a shitty hairstyle for a guy his age. And then I no, walked I by like a mirror and thought, oh, my God. You can tell her <laughs> I'm I'm anti the look. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would I'm say most way are. anti the look. When I was in radio, I would grow it to my shoulders. I would braid it and then I'd shave it all when off. When you were in back in uh, radio. You remember yeah. radio? Yeah. yeah. And how old were you? Uh, 20s, 30s. Yeah. 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 So th- that, that was my move. I, yeah. I loved it. I just okay. grow it long, cut it all off. So Tw- I will cut this soon. 20s and 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Not that far from the 30s. Stop the ban. How many oh, quarterbacks boy. in the NFL this year threw for 4,000? So, so something magical about throwing for 4,000 yards yeah. and 30 or more touchdowns. That's kind of like the plateau. Okay. For NFL quarterbacks. Was it 3,000 at one point, like when we yeah. were kids? Yeah, when we were kids and you could have that haircut. <laughs> that back when I could pull it off. So now it's 4,000 because the offense How many? Changed. Right. How many quarterbacks in the NFL oh. this season as you prepare for Super Bowl 57 and to make a pick here on episode 225? How many quarterbacks in the NFL threw for 4,000 yards and had 30 or more touchdowns? And who were they? Oh, God. I'm going to say... Four? Four is correct. Okay. Where's my bell? There you go, buddy. Oh, it's, it's next to my Jamba Juice. I had a nice orange dream machine. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, those are I'm ready to go. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you never had guy. one? You never had one. I don't know. <laughs> um, four, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the guy from the Seahawks. Um, it's been so long. The guy from the Seahawks? Yeah. Geno Smith? Yeah, that guy. Um, let's see. Who else? Jalen Hurts, maybe? Nope. Damn it. Because he got hurt. Oh. He missed a bunch of games. Hence his name, yes. Um, I don't know who else. Come on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Really? No. Uh, Deshaun pa- Watson. Patrick Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> the guy from uh, Baltimore. 
How about Josh Allen oh, yeah, of he's Buffalo? Good. Yeah, yeah, he's good. How about Joseph Joey Burrow of Cincinnati? Oh, sure, he's a good one. And Geno Smith. There you go. <laughs> Mahomes, Allen, yeah. Burrow, yeah. and Geno Smith. It's been said many times, those four in the same sentence. It's been said many times, right? <laughs> Constantly compared to each other. It's weird. It's such a weird, it's such a weird year for him, right? What, what do we do? We just let that go? But we don't pay no, him? No. They're gonna pay him. But that's, what is that's segment number one. Like that's 30 something. What is he, 34? They're gonna pay him and they're gonna pay him a lot of money. Oh, and he God. says at the Pro Bowl, he's very, very encouraged that it's gonna get done before he becomes a free agent. Apparently, wow. they are, if you believe Geno Smith, Geno Smith and the Seahawks are on the precipice of a new contract. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. <laughs> Gino. <laughs> Available on all podcast platforms. This is episode 225. Please subscribe and rate us. Give us a five-star rating. Maybe leave some comments on Apple Podcasts. Bonus shows every week. Short shows. Danny O'Neill, Randy Mueller, Slickhawk. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and become a patron. If the $5 is a problem... Mm -hmm. You'll do 50% off. And you'd like to have access to our weekday shows, write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. The point is not to price people out of the market right. at $5 a month. Or just send a, at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com a note to say hello, like your thoughts and criticisms, oh, like this next one. Can't wait. Hi, Mitch. I'm a longtime listener going back to the morning show days. Oh, I remember those days. Your interviews are fun to listen to as we get to hear more from the individual's point of view instead of just answering questions. I don't know what that means. Now to Hot Shot. Oh, boy. I would like to say something negative here so I could hear him get all worked up. <laughs> I get worked up. But I have no complaints and think he does oh, a nice. great job. Very nice. Now for the real reasons I'm messaging you, Oh, jeez. Couldn't have just stopped it at that, huh? I would love to hear a comeback of Mitch's melodies. Hmm. Nothing better than hearing you take shots at random people. To go with this, I would like to also hear a weekly segment that's focused on your dislike for certain individuals, like Phil Mickelson's douchebag move of the week or something like that. You can't go wrong with making fun of Titskala or the weasel at Gonzaga. Negativity is what your podcast needs, Mitch. Our country is divided like it has never been in my lifetime, and nothing brings people more together. <laughs> Like the hatred for the common enemy. <laughs> you alone have the opportunity to save our country, Midge. We're counting on you. Please don't fail us now. Nice. Thanks for your show. That's pretty good. But see, the common enemy, like there's so many Gonzaga fans out there. You can't, Mark Few's yeah, not the a people, common enemy. People that, love that guy. That's the whole thing. People don't really understand. It's going back to the morning show days. I always had this list of people that I started to hate mm -hmm. for some set of reasons when most people liked them. That was yeah. the whole that was the whole shtick behind the shtick, or that was the whole explanation behind the shtick. When I started hating Phil Mickelson, people loved Phil. He was the people's champion. Right. And people were like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. How could you hate him? I, I remember I hated Lance Armstrong. Yeah. When he was at the top, 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 top. At the I height used to of say, his powers. At the height of, yeah. When people were like, oh, my God, cancer survivor, 25-time <laughs> champion of the World yeah. Cup, all-time great guy. How could you not like him? And I would go through this thing like I saw some interviews, and it just felt like there's something behind the whole Lance Armstrong. And then yeah. 
there was something behind the whole Lance Armstrong. Not a great guy. No. So my whole thing was getting on the hate wagon early. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, so it's, it's not gonna, like it's not like I, you know we're coming together to all hate one person. That's right. not what we were doing. No, that's not. That's what not what it is now no. either. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. We can't do that. Yeah. Bad idea. Moving on. I went to the Redmond Zeeks the other night with Brett. Okay. Did you know that? Did you see my tweet? No. Okay. So Redmond, Ze- you know Zeeks is a big partner. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And and Dan Black says to me, "Hey, Redmond closed for a while. Had a change of ownership." remodeled the whole place. They're having a big reopening. This was oh. a couple of weeks ago when I was in Florida. Would you go? I couldn't go. Yeah. And I said to him, when I get back, Brett and I or somebody, the family, my wife is in, in D.C., the family will go to the Redmond Zeeks and we'll see what it's all about. Okay. I walk into the Redmond Zeeks. Yeah. The first guy standing at the counter says, you look really familiar. Oh, boy. <laughs> and let me tell you yeah. something. If you were able to measure my blood pressure, <laughs> yeah. and I've had this, have you had the, have you had this said to you before? The look you look yeah. from it. Where do I know you from? Yep. Do you ever get that? Once in a while, yep. Okay, I get that. I used to get it a lot, a lot, a lot. I yeah, still yeah. get it from time to time. Where do I know you from? I know you from somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why, because typically <laughs> the next thing out of their mouth is, oh, I love you. Are you yeah, a great? Yeah. Whatever. But my blood pressure. Yeah. My blood pressure in those seconds between the conclusion of you look very familiar to me yeah. to when we actually decipher who I who I might be. So then the guy says, are you Mitch? And I go, yeah. He <laughs> says, I'm the general manager of the restaurant. I lo- God, I loved your morning show. Clearly no idea. <laughs> yeah. Clearly no idea. And I didn't even tell him. But it was pretty clear. You oh, didn't tell him? I loved listening to you in the oh. day. What have you, what have you been doing Back since in the then? Day, he didn't ask. Because <laughs> had he asked, I would have said. But he never mentioned yeah. the podcast. And to nah. me, it was clear he didn't have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. He didn't know about the podcast. So then I walk into the restaurant. We sit down at a table. I decide I'm going to get up before we order and go look at the rest of the restaurant because it's beautiful. The new It's on okay. Cleveland Street in Redmond. Sure, right downtown. Right downtown. Yeah. So I decide I'm going to go take a little walk through the restaurant, maybe go to the bathroom. Okay. All right. And as soon as I get out of my booth, I leave Brett there. I go take, hey, Mitch, huge fan. Wow. Yeah. Of the old radio show. <laughs> God. I course. want you to meet my buddy so-and-so. Yeah. I'm kind of more of a softy guy, he says. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> really? Uh, the other guy. He couldn't have just played that close to the vest. The he, other guy. It had to come out that he likes softy it was better. The, it was the, uh, the, the guy who said, hey, Mitch. I, I know, but nonetheless, what's the I point? I want to introduce you, my friend. Or uh, let, let me introduce you. I said, who, what are you guys eating? And uh, we're yeah, having yeah, a Thai right. pizza and whatever. And the okay. guy goes, yeah, I'm kind of more of a softy guy. <laughs> He didn't sniff. <laughs> What's the point of that? Did it, Why do you have to throw that at I, me? D- d- I'm more of a softy guy. And then on top of it, I go back to eat. We order. We're enjoying our pizza. We're enjoying our salad. Now it's like 30 minutes later. And those two guys are coming out of the that end of the restaurant and walking by us to go leave. Yeah. And I see the one guy say, hey, take care. And I look straight at the one guy who was <laughs> friendly and my fan. Yeah, yeah. And the guy right behind him, I like totally, uh, hey, see you later. Yeah, I didn't yeah. say anything to him. 
And the guy like grumbles as he's walking by. I didn't really mean it. Oh, really? <laughs> I, didn't really, I was just joking about softy. Oh, okay. See, but I don't think he was. Yeah. I think he was a little put off that I was saying goodbye to the one guy. Right, right, And he right. saw that I was kind of giving him the cold shoulder yeah, yeah. over the softy comment. The old hi-hat. Yeah, blowing him <laughs> off of it. <laughs> Look at you getting recognized. You should leave the house once in a while. Oh, boy. You got fans great. everywhere. It was great. If you, they only know what I'm doing now. That's right. What's he up to? Where is he now? Where you know, have you been the last six years? <laughs> you been doing anything? God. Oh, God. It just, it just never ends, I does think it? there are just a lot of people... And I don't want to say this about the general manager because Jordan, the general manager, might might know about my podcast, and he might this might get back to him. And I don't mean any disrespect, yeah. But it seems like there's just a lot of people still out there that don't really know what podcasts are. And yeah. I know that sounds crazy because there's a billion podcasts and everybody listens to podcasts, mm -hmm. but there is still a section. I think a certain age range, yeah, where people are familiar about podcasts, but they haven't taken the plunge. Yep. And it's like a little bit intimidating, like, well, I don't, I don't listen to pot. I don't even know how to listen. To I don't know what that is. I just turn my radio on like I've done for That's 45 right. years and it works. Right. I, yeah. I know that there's a bunch of podcasts out there, but I don't know how yeah, to yeah. do that. And honestly, I think, and I don't know that Jordan fits that yeah. because he's a little bit younger. Okay. But you do get that from time to time. Sure, people yeah. my, let's say people 50, people 52, 53, 54 might say, I know you're doing a pod. Some of them know you're doing a podcast. I've never heard it because yeah. I don't. What do I do? How, I, I, I don't, how do I, don't I know, I don't know yeah. how to do that. And to be fair, you'd be one of those had you not done a podcast. I'm one of those <laughs> having done a podcast. That's true. <laughs> God. I so yeah, those are your people. If you called me tomorrow and said, hey, how does uh, two how does 225 sound? Yeah, I wouldn't know how to listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it shows, for quite frankly. Oh. It's sort of like in Goodfellas when they, they ask uh, Pauly to get in on the restaurant of you know ownership. <laughs> what do I know about running restaurants? I, I, I sit down, I order a meal. What do I know about ordering restaurants? I mean, that's, that's people with podcasts. I don't, I, I don't know what that is. I just get in my car and turn the radio on. It works every is time. Is it that? It's not that intimidating to get a podcast. I think the first time Maybe. i think once somebody does it the first time then they're off and running and they're probably exploring lots of podcasts because they realize how easy it is especially with the iphone which most people have they just put the app right on for you i mean right. they, you don't have to even download it they just right. hit the app and then you just hit search and it's just millions come yeah, up it's not yeah. that hard really yeah. yeah i wish only mine came up yeah that'd be search. nice yeah although yeah. when i type in mitch yeah I think yours is first. At least maybe it's just my searches, but there's a Mitch Album podcast, A-L-B-O-M. Pretty talented guy, Mitch Album. Yeah, and then you. When I think that's the order. When I hit, I just type Mitch. Mitch Album ahead of me? I think he might Not be. Not a talented guy, that Mitch Album. <laughs> yeah. That's Tuesdays with Carl? What was that again? Tuesdays with Maury. Right, yes, yes. And when I started my producing days at WTEM in Washington, I yeah. produced the Tony Kornheiser show. I've heard about and that. And anytime anything ever happened in Detroit, he would call me, or I would call him at 9 p.m. the night before, never before, never after. Yeah. And he'd say, get me Album in Detroit. Get me it. album in Detroit. Okay. Right. Get me Will Bond. Mm. You know, that's what he would say. What about Seattle? Who was your Seattle go-to? Get me Artie Teal. Oh, really? Artie yeah. Teal? Yeah. And oh, then nice. he'd always introduce him when he'd come on the show as the tallest man in, in sports reporting. <laughs> he is shockingly tall when you see him like <laughs> in a press box or he something. Is. You're like, wow. Yeah, yeah he yeah. is tall. Yeah. Hey, is there something going on with Mitch Album's ears? Yeah, people have asked that along. along. I, I don't know what the issue you is. You think my hairstyle's bad? I mean, that guy, he's got it like... Well, he needs long hair. 
to cover the ears. Well, that's what I'm wanting. Is that what yeah. it is? Because You don't need that. <laughs> Beautiful ears. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. But yeah, he wears it like below his ears. It's weird, his yeah, hairstyle. Yeah. You think it's covering something up? No, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. Let's very do another. Very bright guy, though. He is. Very talented guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's do another hour on Mitch album. Go ahead. What else you know about him? Did we just do an hour <laughs> or did we do <laughs> two and a half minutes? Not even. 90 seconds. All right. All right. Guests on this episode 225, would you like to know? Yes. Do you know who Peter King is? I've heard of him. Football morning in America. Super Bowl preview. He's on his way to Arizona. Great. Seahawks thoughts. Uh, Aaron Rodgers thoughts. Lamar Jackson thoughts. Where are these guys going to play next year? Yeah. The great. And a lot of people don't love Peter King. He's got a kind of a slow delivery and whatever. I love Peter King. I like him too. Just read Football Morning in America. You will love Football Morning in America. Weekly on Mondays. Yep. It's a must read if you if you know how to read. I love that Andy Reid story he told about it was early in the morning and I think Andy picked him up at the hotel. Yeah, he, and, get, he gets incredible access. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like when I spoke to him this weekend for the show, he had just finished driving to work with Nick Sirianni, the the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, but right before they went to Crazy. the Super Bowl. Yeah. They were driving together and whatever. 30 years of not screwing people over, I guess, gets yeah. you that kind of access. When, when Mike Holmgren very nicely invited me into the draft room, the sacred draft room of yeah. the Seattle Seahawks, when he was drafting, it was the year that they drafted uh, Steve Hutchinson Ooh. and... Corin Robinson. Robinson was the first pick. Yeah. Right. They had two first round picks and Mike Holmgren said, hey, Mitch, why don't you come in, be my guest, sit in the draft room with me, wow. Paul and all this. I thought it was the coolest thing. Sure, I was yeah, like, yeah, he, he asked me to come in a certain time and a certain entrance and whatever. And wow. I, I went it. Peter King's in there. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> He's everywhere. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm sitting next to Peter King. That's while we, awesome. Yeah. yeah. You've had a long relationship with him, right? Yeah. I've known him for a long time. Because I remember when you first started at KJR. Like everyone was having Clayton on, like That's he right. was the go-to. That's right. And your guy was Peter King. Uh, Peter uh, Clayton hated me. Well, not when you first got there. It, yeah, it, pretty much. Once people get to know you, then they hate <laughs> you. But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't really know you yet. <laughs> so you could have had him on. But but I remember thinking Peter King. I think I know. Was he Sports Illustrated? Like, yeah. I wasn't too yeah. familiar, but I knew his yeah, name. Big. But like, that was like you stuck with him. Like you didn't get oh, bullied oh, into using anyone else. Like oh, that was your no, guy. Peter was my guy. Yeah, yeah. Peter so, was my guy. Still, yeah. still having him on. It's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So guess Peter King. Super Bowl preview, Seahawks thoughts, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Dean Blandino, know the name? I do. Former head of NFL That's officiating. Right, yeah. Now he's on Fox. He'll be on the Super Bowl coverage. He's the guy that comes on to review the plays. Yep. Just the overall problem of NFL, if, if, if there is a problem, everybody's dissatisfied right now with NFL officiating, especially after the AFC championship game between Cincinnati and Kansas City. There were a lot of controversial calls. Yeah. They all seem to go against Cincinnati. Kansas City's in the Super Bowl. There's the replay issue. There's a lot of issues. So I got on with Dean, Dean Blandino this weekend. You'll hear the interview. And he says something, I don't want to say too much, but he says something very interesting. He thinks, or he... He won't be surprised if you see us moving away from coaches' challenges. Huh. He thinks there's a chance in the next few years coaches' challenges are going away. Okay. And that we're just going to have one guy up in the up in the booth. That'd be nice. With all of the replays, with oh. monitors all around, with all simultaneously, wow. every camera angle. What year is this Kind of stopping. We could have done this 30 years ago. <laughs> we're now... We're, the idea I've been yelling about every third episode uh, when some dipshit in Kentucky on his couch can see the right call, but the guys who get paid to make the calls for some reason can't, can't get it right. That's right. What was that? The, the, the Saints game? 
that most egregious. Oh yeah. Like pass interference you've ever seen in your yeah. life. Yes, to go to the Super Bowl, I think. And there should yeah. just be a guy up there going, the guy you guys smacked him right before the ball came. You guys blew it. You got it wrong. Switch it. Like, how hard is it? Everyone on their couch knew the right call. I'll never understand how they can't get well, it. Well, they've right. done it in other in other football leagues. They have done it. Okay. Like the AAF American Alliance of yeah. Football. They have had this thing called a Sky Judge or Skyhawk or something sure. sitting up there. So are we heading in that direction? Dean Blandino will talk about the the state of NFL officiating and where we're going next. Okay. And then Danny Kelly, who's a local Seattle guy. He writes for The Ringer. He's an NFL draft guy. Hmm. He spent the weekend at the Senior Bowl. So while the NFL is getting ready for its biggest moment, the Super Bowl, there's this other part of the NFL that's going on, which is let's scout the seniors in college yeah. football, the guys coming out for the NFL draft in April. Of which the Seahawks have the number five pick, the number 20 pick, Ugh. the number 37 pick, the number 51 or what, 52 pick. Four picks in the first 50 for the Seahawks. So Danny Kelly is going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class and what the Seahawks might do, especially up in the first round. I like it. I'm ready. Those are the three guests. Before we begin episode 225, officially a few words about our partners like Zeke's Pizza, while expansion continues in 23, got to tell you about a reopening in the Zeke's Pizza family. The location in Redmond on Cleveland Street, ownership change, and a truly spectacular remodel. My son and I were there last Friday night. If you're near Redmond, give it a try. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, four amazing locations. Les High, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place, and the Hyatt Regency, downtown Seattle, right across from the Paramount Theater. If you haven't yet tried to do so, it's a really special place. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions. Fireside is the title sponsor for virtually every fun contest and promotion that we run. Beat the boys during the NFL season. And before you know it, our master's pool will be here. Start your search for a brand new fireplace unit at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. When the nationally acclaimed Cross Country wanted a new office in the Northwest, they not only snatched Jordan Flowers, but his entire team and there's a reason for that. If you're buying a home, a second home, an investment place, Jordan's team has creative packages to save you money. 425-890-2957. That's 425-890-2957. Jordan's direct line. Tyler Hay, Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisor, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. This is going to be a good one. Episode 225 of Mitch Unfiltered officially begins right now. Unfiltered. When he gave Castillo the contract, yeah. they gave Julio the contract. The writing was on the wall that they were going to find a reason not to do a big deal in free agency. It was on the wall. Unfiltered. What an offseason. Yes. Boy, the guy's approach to getting better is yes. He's in a great frame of boy. They are selling us. They are selling us on Jared Kalnick in left field. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 
225 now is officially underway with my friend. Although you just did something with the hair. It actually looks normal now. I did. What did What'd you do? You tucked the hair under your headsets or something? Well, maybe it's pushing it down. Yeah, now. now I don't think you need a haircut. Oh, thank you. I don't want one either, so it's good to hear. By the way, people are now starting to write again about the sniffling. Oh, we got to stop. They think it's too much. It is. Okay. Yeah. They say that we don't even know when we're doing it. When people tell now, me to how, stop doing something. That's when you do it more. How would they know if I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't I like when people go, like, do you remember so-and-so? And you go, no. They go, no, you you, you remember them. Like, <laughs> does anyone ever do that to you? <laughs> like, no. How do you know what I know what I, what I remember? Uh, I don't know them. I promise you. They don't do that to me. They do. <laughs> I'm more of a softy guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> God. By the way, I, uh, I, I got to tell you. Yes. Piper had a basketball game. She had two on Sunday. Uh, her Issaquah Select team knocked off the number one Bellevue team with Brandon Roy's daughter on it. So wait I, a second. Brandon Roy's daughter is Piper's age. Plays on the Bellevue team. Yeah. See, I think of him as a Seattle guy. I think of him as a Garfield guy. Everyone's telling me it's Nathan Brandon Roy's Hale. daughter. So yeah, on the Bellevue. Oh, team. everybody was telling. So there's no. I didn't there's ask. No confirmation. Him, but most people, the kids. Brandon know Roy's daughter. Did yeah. she check her? Well, it's a quad one, so I'm here to tell you my I always knew my athletic genes were a little better than his. So that's really the reason I wanted to tell you. <laughs> and bank accounts will confirm that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what happened with Brandon Roy and the gunshot? Huh? Remember he got shot. He did? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Am I not remembering that correctly? Wasn't there like a mysterious gunshot wound? Really? Brandon Roy was recovering from a gunshot wound and we never really found out what was happening or what happened? Do you not know about that? Uh, I or may you have heard it, but you I probably don't forgot about it. It was kind of weird. But he was like, there was like a drive-by shooting or something, and they said it was, it was totally like random. But was it random? And people weren't really talking and covering it. It was just kind of weird. Well, like he six wasn't years talking ago? about. Yeah, yeah, he was shot in the leg after shielding yeah. children from gunfire. Yeah, what was he doing? What? I don't, I don't know that that ever got really explained. I don't know that he ever spoke about it publicly like there was. And I think that was part of the issue that Brandon Roy never came out and said, here's what happened here. Yeah, it's kind of weird. He's no snitch. He's no seed. Yeah, that's no, I'm not going to talk about Did it. Did she score a lot of points? The Brandon Roy. She was pretty good. Daughter? Yeah, yeah, she's a good player. What age now are we talking about? Uh, eighth grade. Yeah. The ETL. Yeah. You're familiar and she with plays that. for Bellevue. If it's the right kid, that's what wow. everyone's telling me. She, yeah, I, I think right. I think he lives in Bellevue. I have seen him in yeah. Bellevue before. So okay. anyway, I just wanted to announce that my God, other jeans are better. God, he was a good player, man. It's weird. Do you remember that tournament? He was a good player. During Thanksgiving, he had a bad knee. He wasn't really playing. And then it, they, I can't remember. Are we talking about when he was in college? Yeah, in college. Yeah, and he then, always had a bad knee. But but the uh, Romar put him in with the bad knee, and he ended up having like an alley-oop, one-handed dunk on no, his bad knee. No. But I remember the time thinking... Should he be back this soon? Because he just didn't look right, but it was a big game was and Romar he a senior, played him. Was he like a junior senior? I, well, here's what I remember but about I, Brandon Roy. I always Roy. think about that. I'm just wondering if, if Romar put him in too early and it like killed him. Here's what I remember about Brandon Roy. When he came to Washington, there were like some, some whispers and rumors that he was going to go pro like after his freshman year mm. or, or straight from high That's school. Right. Yep. And I was like, this dude isn't even any good. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, he's, I, I, I remember actually thinking, okay, he's kind of an okay player. Yeah, He's not even an NBA player, let alone a, dra a high-level draft choice that should be leaving early. Like, he'll never be. I, I didn't even think he'd ever be an NBA player. Yeah. 
How'd he do? do? Well, well, he ended up staying, first of all, and becoming a great college player. Great, yeah. A great college player. Dominating. And then I think if it weren't for the injuries, that he signed a huge $100 million contract with the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. But he had those. He had chronic knee problems. Did he bone not? on bone? I think I yeah. remember hearing. Uh, I mean, he. To, you never want to hear bone on bone. Yeah, you know. He looked like he was like after his rookie year. Like he's he's Hall of Fame bound. Like he was, he was that good. Really well, he was the good. Rookie of the year he was wasn't rookie he? of the year. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Roy. Yeah. Such a shame he couldn't. Roy R O Y rookie of the year. Oh, there you go. I like it. Was he rookie of the year? I think he was. Rookie. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Super Bowl Fifty Seven Hot Shot Scott. You gonna watch? Yes, sir. You gonna go to a party? I don't really do. You gonna eat? You gonna get your hair cut before the party no, or after I, the party? I can't do that. I can't get my hair. You gonna cut. watch at home? Right now, I'm planning on watching at home like I always right. do. Yes. Yeah. How about you? Oh yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna go anywhere. Well, we got a show to do next week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I gotta be ready for the show. That's true. Me too. I get to blame the show. That's right. Honey, you want to go out there? No, I got to do the show. My hands are tied. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> My hands are tied. Who you got? Who you picking? You going to make a small wager on the... I mean, you're not a wager. You're not a sports wager, but the Super Bowl. Kind of retired a, from that business. I know, but, but like, like put 15, 20 bucks on yeah, a game. Yeah, I am five minutes from the casino. I probably yeah, don't should. Don't you want to have that. a little skin in the game? Yeah, I do. Sure. I don't know what I'm doing yet. As far as which way you're going to go? I don't know that I'm going to bet the game. I might bet a prop bet or something because I I have a, just a slight lean to the game. Who are you? Uh, who are you picking? Well, it's hard for me to put my Philadelphia hatred aside. I've oh, always hated them yeah, and their fans, and I have a couple stories now. God, or Wink just ruined you. Yeah, but then you read stories about how the fans treat people. Like I have a player. Uh, I think it's Warner for the Niners. I can look it up. His wife was just Fred. Fred Warner, his wife was just like, I'll never set foot back. People coming up to her in her face and yeah, go home and they're F nice you. And, no, they're not nice. So how could I possibly root for them? And then they got that dipshit old lineman who's been put on well, the... Well, I'm not asking you who you're rooting I, for. I, I I'm know, asking know, you who you think is going to win. I know what you're asking. This is a podcast. I know what you're asking. Learn the technology. Why, why would I say I think the Eagles are going to win and sit there and root against them the whole time? It's going to be tough. So I think the Chiefs are going to win anyway, even if I didn't hate the Eagles. Yes, I do. A lot of people like the Eagles. Like, I, I texted Neuheisel. I said, Mitch Unfiltered listeners want to pick on the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he wrote back, Eagles large. Really? Large? Large. Neuheisel, he was like 12-3 and three on our show this year against the spread. That was college games. Eagles large, says Neuheisel. And I have a slight lean towards the Chiefs as well. I don't know. I think Jalen Hurts... Didn't look right in the NFC Championship game. I've, I've I've gone through that spiel on all the podcasts, so I don't want to do it again. But yeah. Jalen Hurts is, to me, the wild card. I know that people will say, well, Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. Well, Patrick Mahomes on that high ankle sprain yeah. threw for 325 yards in the AFC Championship game, and that high ankle sprain is just going to get better and better and better and better over the two weeks, and he already threw for 300 yards on on it when it was at his worst. Yeah. Hertz, on the other hand, has a bad shoulder. He threw for like 122 yards in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. Now, granted, he didn't have to, but he just doesn't look right to me. And so I asked, actually, Peter King, who you're going to hear, and he said exactly what I've been thinking, which is he won't be surprised right after the Super Bowl, like the next day or two days after, if we don't see a press release from the Philadelphia Eagles saying Jalen Hurts is going to have surgery on his shoulder yeah. to clean up some stuff that happened during the course of the year. Yeah. 
I think he's more substantially injured than people know. And I think that's the difference maker. Like if if this were the if Jalen Hurts were playing the caliber of football that he was the first eight weeks of the year when everybody had well, first of all, they were undefeated yeah. and everybody was like, Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league. Right. If he were playing like that now, Forget I it. think this would be a uh, blowout is probably hard with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I think this would be a, an easy Eagles victory. Bad game. Bad game. Boring game. Probably boring game. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't I don't trust him. I don't trust Hurts. I don't trust that he can make the plays that he makes needs to make. So I'm leaning against New Heisel towards the Chiefs. I like players that have been there before and won't crack under the pressure and who have one under their belt. So, you know, Andy Reid, I, I don't know. I did something. The, the Chiefs are proven, and, and there's probably a lot of guys on the Eagles who haven't been there. And Correct. maybe maybe they'll – Most you know, guys on the Eagles haven't yeah, been there. It's a lot of pressure. This is Patrick Mahomes' is, I think, third already. Third Super Bowl appearance. I think he's been in the AFC Championship game the last five years in a row. Yeah. How's that? Five out of six years, I think. Or five out of six years. Crazy. I know. He's already uh, one and one in the Super Bowl. This is a chance for him to win a second. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, then Eagle, the Eagles are the favorite minus a point and a half, two points. Yeah. But not experienced. And then you go, well, Russell Wilson won it the first time he was there. And one pick. So we can throw the experience. Thing out. You oh, know, yeah. you, you can make a case for all of it, but I don't know. There's something about Mahomes. He's just, he's just got that magic touch. He's really hard to bet against. So yeah, I'm, not only do I hope they win, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. The game is in Phoenix. Yeah. A lot of bad stuff. Not oh. just the Super Bowl, but I think Richard Sherman got hurt there. I think Earl Thomas got hurt You're there. Right on both. I think there's another that's where one. The, that's where this came, the bird, the, the, the middle finger. Yeah. And he was getting carted off the field. That was Phoenix. Yeah. We never had a kicker who could kick in Phoenix. You remember that? Yeah. The, Steven yeah. Hauschka. Remember Steven Hauschka? Yeah, sure, he yeah. couldn't make an extra point. Couldn't make a field goal in Phoenix. It was always kind of weird. And then the Super Bowl. I was there. I know when this game comes on on Sunday and I see that stadium and I see that side of the the field. I'm going to think yeah. of the one yard line. Ugh. I saw the highlights this week. Somebody played back the highlights. That Marshawn Lynch run. People forget about the Marshawn Lynch run it's, on the play before oh. the interception. You know the one I'm talking yeah. about? So there was the long play, the juggling catch by uh, Curse, maybe? Yeah, J- yeah. 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 Jermaine Curse. And then it's like first and goal from the five. Mm-hmm. And they give the ball to Marshawn Lynch over the left side. And before he's touched, he's at the one. I mean, it, it was beautifully blocked. It was beautifully run. And then this Patriots guy comes up, this linebacker, who ordinarily with Lynch coming from four yards, he would he would be able to, his momentum would take him sure, into the end yeah. zone. The, the linebacker or the safety, whoever it was for the Patriots, came up and made an amazing play to keep him from going in the end zone. Otherwise, the game's over right there. Yeah. Stops him at the one, but you're like, oh my God. This is going to be easy. That was an easy yeah. run. Yep. We got four more of those. Oh. Can Marshawn Lynch get a yard and four Three carries? Three more of those, but yes. That yeah. was first down. So you had second, Oh, that third, was and first fourth. down. Okay. That was first down. Man. From the five down to the one. That's what I told my wife. You can come in. It's fine. It's oh. over. I've seen it before. Oh. He punches it in easily. Oh. You don't have to stress. And they are repeat two t- I mean, there's Unreal. not a lot of repeat champions. Not easy. Nope. Not easy. I mean, go back in the history of the NFL. Very few repeat champions. Yeah. Seahawks could have been one. Crazy. Has it been since then? Uh, let's I, go. You just sniffed. I think yes, I Chancellor might have got hurt there too. Cam Chancellor. In that ballpark? Yeah. No, I don't think so. That's not where he got hurt? Maybe, maybe. He did. 
I, I just feel like I, there was a list of like Avril sh- Cliff Avril got hurt. I think. Jeez, that stadium was cursed. Yeah. I, you know, by the way, everyone loves Marshawn's Beastquake run, which is of course one. Of, yeah, he had one against the Cardinals. That's number two, but pretty damn close to the Beastquake. <sighs> which one? It's it was unreal. I mean, he just he did the same thing where he just kept breaking tackles. You think he's like a down. long one? Long one. Yeah, there or here? No, no, I'm saying in that stadium. In that stadium. So that's one good. Not thing a, that oh, I, in the against the Cardinals. Yeah, 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 against the Cardinals. Well, Pro Football Focus, ever heard of it? I have, yes. They love stats. Pro Football Focus ranked the top free agents okay, based on metrics. Yeah. You know, these saber metrics, these highly intensive numbers yeah. and way data. Every free, the top 100 free agents in the National Football League this offseason. And then not only did they rank them, they projected what their contracts should be on their next team, whether it's the team that they're staying with or the team that they go to. Okay. I'll give you an example. Number one, Lamar Jackson. Pretty good player. They are speculating or projecting that he should receive a five-year, $260 million contract and 208 of the $260 million guaranteed. So over $50 million a year and $208 million guaranteed okay. as the number one free agent in the sport. Okay. Would you like to take a guess at who's the number two free agent in the sport. In the sport. I, in the sport. All positions. Oh. Safeties, corners, wide receivers, offensive tackles. <laughs> Let that Whatever you want. Whatever what, you I, need. what do you need? I got a pen. Anybody need a pen? <laughs> I have Number, no clue. Geno Smith, correct. Number two? Number two. I'm going to read what they wrote about Geno Smith. This is pro football focus. Okay. I don't know if you, you know, you could throw it out with sure. the bathwater or whatever you like. Nothing about what he's doing is fluky or excessively bolstered by things like play action, Mm. an outlier performance, and unstable metrics like passing grade against pressure or any other method you use to try to poke holes in his production this season. Smith's 80, 79.8 overall grade and 87.6 grade from a clean pocket this season ranked ninth and 12th respectively. His 14 passing touchdowns on throws of 20 or more yards were two more than the next best quarterback. He was number one in the league, touchdown passes of 20 or more yards. And his 5.6% big-time throw rate, whatever that means, ranked fifth. There's no current indication we should expect some massive regression either. Smith's 85.8 passer grade against middle-of-field open coverage further illustrates he did not benefit in an outsized fashion from loaded box counts that freed up his receivers in an effort to sell out against the run. We can go on and on. You kind of did. But the fact of the matter is Smith played like a legitimate top quarterback in the NFL in 2022. And that's why we project his next contract Four years, $150 million, average salary, $38 million, $112 million guaranteed. I'm Pro just football my head. focus. People, listeners can't, can't hear me shake my head. I just can't believe it. I can't believe we're talking <laughs> about this. $150 wow. million for Geno Smith is the going right now. I will have you say before you say to yourself, well, no, Seahawks are not going to pay that. Seahawks are not going to pay that. He's going somewhere else yeah. to get that. I will have you know, you probably know this already, that at the Pro Bowl, of which Geno Smith was selected, yeah, he, he was. said to Sirius XM 
that things are looking very good between the Seahawks and I, me, Mike Sides. He's very encouraged that a deal will get done before he becomes a free agent and exposed to the market. I cannot believe the Seahawks are giving him 100. This pro football focus projection, there's no way they're giving him 37 and a half million a year, 112 million guaranteed over four years. 37 a year. I thought based on the second half of his year where he came down a little bit. Yeah. That he'd be like 28, 27. I thought under 30. That's a lot. I was not thinking closer to 40. For a 32-year-old guy who started one year in the NFL. But he was damn good in that year. He was. He was. And he played every snap of 18 games. It's not like it's a sample set of five games or two games. He played 18 games. Yep. And yeah, he wasn't as good the second half of the season. But was it? He wasn't as good as what? He wasn't as good as he was the first half of the season when he, oh, by the way, was like the best quarterback in yeah. the NFL. He was going into that Germany game against Tampa. I believe he was either the number one rated or number two rated quarterback right. yeah. in the NFL. It was 70% completion percentage. 75% crazy yeah, numbers. Was, right. Yeah. He had unbelievable numbers. So I don't know. I'd like to see him come back. I just have a hard time believing. Yeah. That the Seahawks are getting ready to give this guy thirty-seven million a year. I, I can't believe that. What, what were they going to pay Russell? Like, how much different is it? I'm just going to. Well, you remember gonna, fifty. Russell he was, was gonna, at fifty. Okay. He was going to be a fifty million dollar a year quarterback if they kept him. If they kept him, right? Did they ever, in their wildest dreams, think they'd have to pony up thirty-seven and a half million dollars for Geno Smith when they acquired him? How about when they acquired Drew Locke from Denver, when they insisted that Drew Locke be in the deal for Russell Wilson because they needed a quarterback? Okay, if all things go south, at least we got Drew Locke. We got Drew Locke. That's right. He's our safety valve. Amazing. I I, I would love to hear from some other GMs around, like, what, what, what the... What people are thinking, like, what's the demand for him around the I, NFL? I, I, I I'm so curious. I can't imagine that it's that strong. That's what I'm thinking. Because he's so much more valuable to Seattle. Yeah. And I think people around the league are even saying, yeah, he had a great year, but he needs to go back there. He won't be nearly as good here. If he comes here, he'll be the Geno that was with the Jets. Right. Or the Geno that was with the 49ers. He's not going to be the Geno that was with the Seahawks last year. I got to believe there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. And if there's a lot of that going on, then the market doesn't demand that they pay him $37.5 million a year. I am very curious if if what he says is accurate, which is this thing's going to get done. I'm really curious of what the contract's going to look like. In particular, I am, you want to get into the kind of the minutia of it. I'm attracted to what the third year salary cap hit is and how easily they can get out of that Mm. if they decide to cut him or trade him or whatever, how flexible, because I think that will tell us a lot about what the Seahawks intentions are in the first round of the draft in April. They've got those two picks, five and 20. Yeah. And there's a chance that they would either pick a quarterback like C.J. Stroud or the guy from Kentucky at number five, or if they don't think they have to draft him at five, they would trade down to seven, nine, 10, 11, and then draft a quarterback, right? If they are enamored with one of these quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, whatever the guy's name is, why would they, because if they draft a guy in the first round, whether it's at five or a little bit further down in the first round, what are they thinking? They're thinking this guy this guy is good enough to draft in the first round quarterback. 
So he will be our quarterback of the future. Yeah. Now, maybe they don't think of him as a guy that needs to start the first year. But do they think of a guy you draft in the first round, high first round, yeah. as a guy that starts in the second year? You're not, you're not anticipating starting him in year five. Right. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. And that's why I tie the contract together with this. Yeah. Because let's say the contract that they ultimately sign with Geno Smith has a $32 million inflexible third-year cap hit. Are the Seahawks, if they're enamored with a quarterback in the first round, that they think is going to start either opening day or at least year two, mm -hmm. are they going to sign Geno to a big number in year three? Are they going to have a backup quarterback making $37.5 million against the cap or $38 right. million against the cap if they've drafted a quarterback in the... Now, if they've drafted a quarterback in the third round or the fourth round where they think, okay, he's a project, we'll see... Right. Then you could That's see different. the then you could yeah. see them giving, but I I think that this Geno Smith contract, if it happens quickly, will tell us a lot about what their intentions are in the first round as it pertains to quarterbacks. So it's going to have to get done before the draft. You're thinking if you're the Seahawks, you have to get this done one way or another before the draft. Yeah, I think so. Although I don't know that it's absolutely imperative. Okay, because either you love a guy in the first round or you don't. I don't think Geno Smith, and whether he's here or not, mm. I mean, either you've fallen in love. Let, let's just take the guy from Kentucky. I think his name is Will Levis. Some people think he's going to be a top two or three or four pick. Others think he's going to be a 15 or 18 or 20 pick. Let's assume the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and John Schneider both are in love with this guy, like they were in love with Josh Allen. Remember when they were in love with oh, Josh yeah. Allen? They tried to trade for the number one overall pick. Let's assume they just... I don't know this to be true, but yeah. they fall in love with this yes. guy, right? They fall in love with this guy. If they're truly in love with him and able to get him, is whether they can bring Geno Smith back at age, would you say? 32. Going to change whether they want to draft this guy or not? If they're in love with a first-round draft choice like Josh Allen? No. It's not going to matter. What they're, they're, if they're in love with the guy, they're going to go get him yeah. regardless of whatever happens with Geno Smith before the draft, after the draft. So if you're in love with them and you get him, but I think we now know that they're, they're not going to sign Geno to a four-year deal then, right? There's no scenario where that happens. There's no scenario where they would sign him to a four-year deal <clears throat> that is restricting. In that, that third year. In that third yeah. year. I think you can do a deal with him where it's a big number in the first year and a big number in the second year. Even if you're the apple of your eye comes to town and starts in the second year, you can still kind of withstand that in yeah, the second year. You can year. live with that because your rookie quarterback's <laughs> not making anything. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll who see. was the quarterback from Kentucky in like 97 who was supposed to be like... Tim Couch. Was it Tim Couch? I don't know. He not was the Eric Crouch? Wasn't there a no, Crouch? Eric Crouch, Crouch was in Nebraska. <laughs> okay. Tim Couch <laughs> was, I think, the first overall pick. I, I think so, yeah. Oh, I know, right? So when I hear Kentucky quarterback, I think about him like, all right, all right. So I have decided in the last week there is one college football player okay. that I have to have on the Seahawks. And he's available. He's a senior or he's coming out. Coming out. Okay. I know nothing about him. Okay, good. <laughs> I know a little about him. I, I If you had asked me about him two months ago, I would not even know his name. But I have decided they have four picks in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. This guy has to be one of them. Okay. Because on that same free agent list that I just shared with you, the top 100 free agents in the NFL this offseason, 
ask me the highest, the name of the highest center on that list. Oh, you've been banging the center drum for they a while They need now. a fucking center. <laughs> Please, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. I honestly can't watch it anymore. I can't watch their centers anymore. Ask me, Mitch, on that pro football focus top 100 free agents, tell me the number, the ranking, and the name of the best center on the free agent market. Ask me. All right, and the pro football focus top 100 free agents. Yeah. Who is the best center on that list that the Seahawks can go out and get? God, it's funny that you should ask. Yeah. Number 57. Okay. So we got to go all the way down to 57 for a high a hot, the, the top center in the free agent market. Okay. And his name is Ethan Posick. Come on. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, really? Yes. One of the guys I can't watch anymore is the top free agent oh. center on the market. He had a good year for Cleveland. 73, Connor McGovern, Jets. 90, Garrett Bradbury. On top of that, ask me what the consensus is about the center market in the draft. Ask me. Okay. What's the uh, the consensus about the center market in the draft? It's funny that you should ask. Yeah, that. it is funny. Bad. Ugh, this is the year? Bad. Really? But there's one guy that stands out. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just found the guy that Mitch Levy, Seahawks fan, has to have on the Seahawks market. His name is John Michael Schmitz. Okay. He's a 6'4", 320-pound center that played at Minnesota. He's considered by far and away the best center in the draft. He was at the Senior Bowl last week. He's going to be picked in the second round. The Seahawks have two picks in the second round. Mm. I have to have John (laughs) Michael Schmitz, who I wouldn't know if I ran right into him in an airport. Right. Well, you might know if he bumped into you because he's huge, but yeah. I got to have him. John Michael Schmitz? John Schmitz. Schmitz. I got to have, and it's a great name, John Michael Schmitz. His name is my name, too. That's right. Bad free agent market with Ethan Posick at the top. Oh, yeah, it's no good. We don't need that. Bad crop of senior centers coming out in the draft. One good guy that everybody says is a future pro bowler. Yep. I got, And you've got four picks in the first two rounds. It's kind of inexcusable, you better, huh? You better yeah. come out of that draft with John Michael Schmitz, <laughs> who I have no idea who he is. Yeah. He's the only guy I care about. Like, I don't even care about Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle of Georgia. I don't care about Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. John Michael Schmitz, please. <laughs> I can't watch it anymore. Right. I can't watch their center getting blown up anymore. I can't watch the center getting pushed back into the quarterback or the running back anymore. Yeah. No more Austin Blythe. Okay? No more. I can't do it. Yeah, they got to invest a little bit, especially when you have Ken, Ken Walker back there now. You got a good running back. Like, let's blow some holes open for this guy. Let's let's focus on the O-line a little John bit. John Schneider, if you're listening, you're not. Um, Jordan, tell John, Jordan from uh, Zeke's... Oh, you're not. Um, <laughs> the guy who loves softy. I, I, <laughs> right. Somebody who's listening, call John Schneider and tell him, Mitch Levy is begging. He's on his hands and knees begging for John Michael Schmitz at 6'4", 320. Not a small guy. No, that's big for a center. 6'4", uh, center? 6'4", Usually they're a little shorter, right? I mean, 6'4", that, that's a big dude. You're kind of short. And t- you're that's kind of like what you, you think. You're, yeah. you're kind of a center. Yeah, I'm kind of a hair. center. That's right. Yeah, that's what the hair. All right.
That's all. That's your guy? Now I can't wait to watch the draft. John for that reason. Michael Schmitz. Gotta have him. With the 38th overall pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers select. No! I'm willing to even go as far as saying this. That if they don't get John Michael Schmitz, they're going to have a new center next year one way or the other. It's going to be some free age or whatever. Yeah. We're going to be complaining about the center position. We might be complaining with John Michael Schmitz. You know, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's Who a knows? Rookie Maybe he'll be about whatever, yeah. whatever. We are going to be complaining about the center position next year again if we're not watching John Michael Schmitz. Especially if you're going to invest in a 32-year-old quarterback. Eh, let's protect this guy a little bit, right? Or a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, right, yeah. Let's protect him too. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm, I'm ready. Three interview subjects and then the other stuff segment on this episode 200. What is it? 225. Hey, look who's back on Mitch Unfiltered. It's Katie Versio, the Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Happy New Year, Katie. I know what 2022 was like for all of us investors out there. Not good. How about for you guys at Evergreen Golf Call? Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Mitch, back on the podcast. As we've talked about many times, 2022 is a very challenging year for the markets, where for the last 10 years or so, we haven't had a lot of volatility. And at the end of the year, the market ended down about 18% and bonds ended down about 13%. So it's been a tough environment for investors. Basically, every asset class was down, but it was a really good year for Evergreen, I would say. There was still a lot of volatility in our portfolios, but we find a lot of opportunity during these turbulent times. We manage our portfolios very actively, and this was a real shakeup of a year where we were able to find a lot of clients that may have been managing portfolios on their own, and now we're realizing, hey, this is more complicated than I thought, and I really want to make sure that I'm holding up well for, for my own goals here. For those listeners out there that don't have a plan, an investment, or a financial plan, or haven't reviewed it in a long time or just have questions of if you're on track, now is a great time to learn more about our services. So what would be the best way to contact you for our listeners? Do it through the website? Yes. So if you go to our website, www.evergreengk.com, you can learn more about our services on the website. And there's also a client compatibility survey that you can take that will then have one of our advisors contact you. Very good to know. And for all of us who need help, and most of us do with our investment needs. Katie Versio and Evergreen Golf Call are there for you. Evergreengk.com, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Play clock at five. week is here football morning in america peter king has been around the block a time or two how's my friend doing how are you peter everything is going great mitch it's going to be a fun game i think it's going to be a close game a competitive game i kind of like the eagles but nothing ever surprises me with patrick mahomes mm -hmm. before we get there here we are peter the scene of the seahawks disaster from the yeah. one yard line 
Do you remember what you were thinking at the time when you saw the interception thrown and the ball not given to Marshawn Lynch? Do you recall? I was surprised after the game. I remember it well that the explanation was that nobody wanted to hear, by the way, particularly Marshawn Lynch and many of his teammates like Richard Sherman. For the first time all game on that snap, Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia had put in their four heaviest defensive linemen and also had their two heaviest linebackers on the outside. They had six guys on that defensive front. And it's been a long time since I've done this, Mitch, but I think the four defensive linemen averaged like 319 pounds. And then there was a 265 and 255 pound linebacker. And so, you know, they were going up against the jumbo package. And I just thought at the time that what the Seahawks thought was, you know, we're not going to run into this brick wall and try to get a yard and a half with Marshawn Lynch. Mm -hmm. Now we can all debate. I'm sure everybody in Seattle still debates to this day because it's the great unknown. What would happen if you just gave the ball to Marshawn and let him try to fight for that yard or yard and a half? Maybe he would have made it. We don't know. Nobody knows. He also might have gotten thrown back for a yard loss. We don't know that either. But, you know, at the end of the day, what happened happened. And uh, Seattle missed a a chance for a second world championship and kind of I don't think it started him on a downward spiral. But you don't come that close very often and uh, and miss and not have it have a uh, have an effect on your franchise. And to compound the hurt, Peter, they haven't been back since. Yeah. Just point out, I I think I think had Pete Carroll with that great nucleus had guided them back, let's say maybe not the next year, maybe the year after, you know, once after the fact, it might have subsided a little bit. But we still hear go back to that game as the as you just said the beginning of kind of a downward turn for the Seahawks. I am not one of those people who look at events like that and say, well, if that never happened the Seahawks would have won three three or four Super Bowls. Right. Over the years covering the NFL, I, I and again, I'm not saying it had no effect. I think the only effect it really might have had is that I think a lot of guys in that locker room got really ticked off at Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Whatever reasons they had, personal, professional, you just always got the sense that that play had something to do with his teammates' regard for him. Mm-hmm. So this time around, we've got uh, a matchup that I think everybody's in agreement. They like the Eagles-Chiefs matchup, the quarterbacks, some high-octane offense. One of the game's great defenses in Philadelphia, the Andy Reid story is also very interesting. 14 years in one place, 10 years in the other. This doesn't lack for things to write about and talk about in football morning in America, does it? No, it's a fascinating game, I think. It's the Andy Reid Super Bowl, and there's a lot about it that I think is just so interesting. Patrick Mahomes in the game for the third time at age 27. You know, obviously, you got to start winning these games. He's one and one now mm-hmm. in Super Bowls. You don't get a lot of credit for going to a Super Bowl and losing. Jim Kelly is remembered as a great quarterback, but 
not necessarily a great champion. So your legacies are made in games like this. And, you know, the good thing for Mahomes is that you've got Andy Reid, uh, he's got Brett Veach, who's a hugely underrated general manager. He's got some really good people around him to continue to figure out ways to continue to get to Super Bowls. And I think the one other part of Mahomes, and you may think that this is not that much of a big deal. I mean, I'm writing a little bit about this in my column uh, on, you know, on Monday, the my Super Bowl column, how Patrick Mahomes, he reminds a lot of people of Tom Brady, but one of the ways he reminds people of Tom Brady is that so far in his young career, he has not been a pig at the trough when it comes to uh, making as much money as humanly possible. You know, since he signed his huge contract a couple of years ago, three, almost three years ago now, uh, his cap numbers have been 5.3, 7.4 and this year, 35.8. So he's starting to get up there, but, what he did early on in his career, uh, early on in his contract, rather, is he basically said to the team, listen, I am going to allow you to go out and spend money to beef up this roster because I'm not going to be taking a, uh, you know, he's going to end up probably over time taking, you know, 17 to 18% of the cap, maybe some years, 15 and I think that's really significant when a player does that who can take a lot more. So I think that's part of what Kansas City likes about Mahomes. You can figure out ways when you're Patrick Mahomes off the field to make an extra five or eight or 10 million every year. It's pretty easy to make a couple extra state farm commercials. That's always been my point. If I was a quarterback in the NFL, I would not want to take every last dime. I would want to be able to say, just as Brady said several times in his career, I don't need to be the highest paid quarterback. You take care of the rest of the roster. And I think that's one of the things that in part, even though Mahomes is going to get paid very, very well over the next few years, He's not taking a ridiculous part of the of the cap. Peter King, how about the injury story heading into this game? I have wondered it's on the big. show. I, I have wondered on the <laughs> show this week about Jalen Hurts' shoulder a lot more than Mahomes' ankle, and I'll tell you why. Mahomes was hampered, but he played well. Mahomes played well. He probably was as sore as he's going to be going forward as the couple of weeks go by. In Jalen Hurts' yeah. case. I don't see the same quarterback that I saw the first eight weeks of the season. There's something about that shoulder. Now, he didn't have to do a lot against yeah. San Francisco, but I think that Hurts is more of a question mark in terms of him throwing the ball down the field accurately than I believe Mahomes' ankle is. Do you agree with that or not? See, you know, you make a great point, Mitch. But one of the things that I believe about this game is that each side has major injury issues on the offensive side of the ball. Jalen Hurts being the most notable for Philadelphia because, look, I was with him after the Giants game, and uh, I said, how is it? How is your shoulder? And he said, good enough. And you could tell. He admitted to me, basically, that he was struggling 
the least surprising press release, whatever happens in this Super Bowl, out of the Philadelphia Eagles media relations department, 10 days after the Super Bowl will be Jalen Hurts is having a cleanup procedure yeah. on his right shoulder, yeah. dating back to the injury in Chicago in December. Mm. On the other hand, Mitch, I was in Kansas City. I stood outside the KC locker room after that game last week against Cincinnati. And one by one, the skill players for Patrick Mahomes came out and they looked like they were just coming off the battlefield. Juju Smith-Schuster was wincing in pain from uh, a leg injury. McCole Hardman was nowhere in sight. I, I would be surprised, honestly, if he played or is much of a factor in the Super Bowl. They will really miss his speed. Kadarius Toney, who's also a speed guy, uh, might play in the Super Bowl, but he's not whole. There's an incredible stat by NFL Next Gen Stats. Listen to this, Mitch. Patrick Mahomes threw one completed deep pass all year by deep pass, a ball that traveled more than 30 yards beyond the line of scrimmage this year. Okay. He threw one of those really? this year. And in the previous four years, when he had Tyreek Hill on the team, he had 47 and look, he threw for more yards this year than last year. So I'm not saying that he hasn't been really good. I think he's the MVP of the league. My point is that it is a different offense right now and he needs Kadarius Tony and he needs you know Juju Smith-Schuster he loves Juju Smith-Schuster and so as much as we can point to Jalen Hurts being whatever 78 percent of what he is I mean the Kansas City weaponry is really limited as well Peter Hassan Reddick and Chris Jones, two guys in defensive player of the year discussion with Boza and guys like that. How each offense handles those men might go a long way in deciding the winner of the game. I kind of look at Hassan Reddick. He's had 19 and a half sacks in 19 games this year. And I look at Chris Jones, who has more quarterback pressures than any player in football since December 1. You look at those two guys, they are two of the most damaging players right now on defense in the NFL. And I think you phrased it absolutely correctly. How's each team going to handle the other guy? Now, the one thing I would say about the matchups that each one of these teams is going to have, I think Chris Jones is going to be the best defensive lineman even including, you know, Micah Parsons, who the Eagles have faced this year. And I also think Hassan Reddick is going to be one of the two or three best rushers that Kansas City has faced this year. And so really interesting chess match to see how they work these guys in. Peter, before you go, give me a quick comment, just a quick comment on a couple of quarterbacks and their offseason. Yep. Let's start right here. Geno Smith said at the Pro Bowl, that he's encouraged that a deal will be struck pre-free agency, probably around $30 million a year. Good idea for the Seahawks. I think it's a very good idea. Geno Smith saved their bacon in a lot of ways this year. 
And look, it wasn't the year that everybody in Seattle would have wanted, but how many people truly expected a playoff season and a winning record? Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Mm -hmm. Certainly I didn't. Mm -hmm. And Geno Smith, even though they were a lot better early than they were late, I think Geno Smith definitely deserves the dough. If I were the Seahawks, I would be fine taking a quarterback this year. But I would want him to do what Carson Palmer did when he went to Cincinnati, when he was drafted in Cincinnati, which is sit for the year. Aaron Rodgers, I know in your column you've spoken a lot about, you've written a lot about the possibility of the Jets. You think he'll end up there somewhere else? He's not going to retire, is he? I wouldn't think so. I mean, this is a kind of a crass thing to say. Where else in life can you work five months and make $60 million? (laughs) Even if he's not really into it right now, but even if he's viewing that I don't really love this game the way I used to, I don't understand. I I guess I understand. He's really kind of a different guy. Seems to me it would be hard to envision a guy passing up, you know, $12 million a month to play a game that he's played since he was nine years old. It seems ridiculous. Now, whether it's the Jets, whether he goes back to the Packers, I kind of think it's going to be somewhere else. You know, the most ironic thing, Mitch, 15 years ago this month, the Green Bay Packers told Brett Favre they wanted a decision early in the offseason about whether he was going to play and whether he was going to participate in the off-season program because they had a kid behind him mm-hmm. in Aaron Rodgers who they didn't want to give up on and they were nearing uh, the expiration date on his rookie contract and they wanted to know whether Favre was going to be dedicated, whether he was all in, blah, blah, blah. And a month later, Favre said, I'm retiring. It didn't stick and he got traded to the Jets. I can't imagine how history could repeat itself to almost the exact same way with the same team being the one that is lusting Mm -hmm. after the Green Bay quarterback the most, the New York Jets. Lamar Jackson, Peter. In my opinion, this is just a gut feeling, Mitch. I kind of think the Ravens are going to move him, or they'll at least give him the opportunity to go on the free agency market and get a bid and come back. You know, this has been too long. It's been too feisty. It's been too distracting. It just, Mitch, what do you do with Lamar Jackson? He's missed 34% of the games the last two years. Really, what do you do with Lamar Jackson? How can you pay a guy who makes his living, half of his living with his legs, and he's been hurt a third of the last two years? I love the guy, but do you really invest 45 or so million dollars a year, much of it guaranteed. Hard for me if I were Ravens GM Eric DaCosta to do that. So my gut feeling is they'll put the franchise tag on him that basically puts bait on the end of the hook and invites teams to try to come and get him and pays the Ravens a minimum of one first round pick and maybe two. They're supposed to pay two. But at the end of the day, the teams can work out whatever compensation they want. And finally, take your Ravens GM hat off and put your Miami Dolphins GM hat on. You've got Tua. Yep. They're really good when he's healthy, really good and really dangerous in the AFC. And now they've got a a terrific new defensive coordinator who, as you said in your column, is going to make 
very good players into great players, but you've got a real dilemma on your hands this offseason. What are you doing about the backup quarterback situation? How many eggs can you put in the two a basket if you're the Dolphins organization? It's tough, but I don't think it's as tough as people are making it out to be. You know, they're going to go full speed ahead with Tua and hope that concussions are a thing of the past. If they're not, you know, you're either going to try to upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater as the backup quarterback because you don't trust him. You think he's too fragile. The thing I would really try to do is I would try to get a backup quarterback of the quality of like a Nick Foles or a Case Keenum. I'm not saying either of those guys is legitimately better than Teddy Bridgewater. It's just I can't trust Teddy Bridgewater to stay healthy. Go in full speed with Tua, but try to get a more rock-solid backup quarterback than Bridgewater. Peter King, Football Morning in America. As we release this show on a Monday, he releases his Super Bowl column. It's the best read in the NFL Safe travels, enjoy Arizona, and we'll talk to you when this thing is all said and done. Thank you, Peter. Hey, thanks a lot, Mitch. Hey, look who it is. Lindsey Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, my favorite place for special occasions. How's everything going over there at Daniel's, Lindsey? Hey, Mitch, it's going great. Month of February, Valentine's Day, of course. Super busy night for us. Great month for us. We're excited for February. You know, it's award season in the NFL, and I thought, Let's give out some awards to the Daniel's Broiler menu. Are you ready to humor me on this? Let's do it. Okay. Geno Smith was recently named the Comeback Player of the Year in the National Football League. Is there a comeback item of the year at Daniel's Broiler? You know, I love it. I love it, Mitch. There actually is, believe it or not. No, there clearly is. Okay. And it's it's the oysters on the half shell. It's the raw oysters. It was uh, Daniel's staple for years. Very popular item. And during the pandemic, it was harder to get. You know, we were open for a while, closed for a while, open for a while. It, it was just too difficult to manage. And uh, we missed it. And we finally brought them back this past year. Of course, has been a huge hit. Uh, huge comeback comeback player of the year for sure raw oysters on the half shell the comeback player of the year at daniels now we've got two great rookies on the seahawks Tariq woolen ken walker and others is there a rookie of the year a newer item on your menu that gets acclaimed Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with the Piedmontese filet imported from Italy. It's grass fed, a little bit different texture than what you're used to and and really delicious. One of my favorites. Got to be the rookie of the year. And then there's the biggest of the big, the most prestigious award, the MVP, the most valuable player, or in your case, the MVI, the most valuable item on the Daniels broiler menu. And it goes to which one? I mean, we got to go with the old standby. We got to go with the number one selling thing on the menu. We're a steakhouse. We're known for steaks. And the best seller is the filet mignon. It comes in two sizes, the 8-ounce, the 12-ounce. Can't beat it. It, it, It's the goat. It's the Tom Brady of Daniel's broiler. And uh, I just don't know how anything else could be the MVP. The ribeye doesn't compete, huh? I mean, they're all good. I got nothing bad to say about any of them. But you asked me for the MVP. Like I said, I got to go with the goat. The filet mignon is the MVP. The rookie of the year is the Piedmontese. 
and raw oysters on the half shell. The comeback item of the year at Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. We're basically having a do-over here, guys. We're going to have a third down play do-over. Zach Taylor can't believe it because there certainly didn't seem any indication, just eyeballing it here, that there was anything other than a play in action. Second time today. The crowd noise is way up. Now, we couldn't hear because the microphone went out on Tolbert, but I would be livid right here because it's like, how does no one come flying in, right? You're just going to tell us after a full play goes? Well, the Super Bowl a few days away, the Eagles and the Chiefs, still lots of fallout from Championship Sunday, the officiating ideas on how to improve moving forward. Dean Blandino is the former NFL head of officials, now with Fox, of course, TV home of the Super Bowl, always kind to share some time with us on Unfiltered. Hiya, Dean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mitch? It's good. It's uh, We're all good. It's good to have you back. Let's begin with the AFC Championship game because that's garnered the most criticism, and you didn't do that game uh, on Fox. We had the do-over. We had the questionable P.I. call on Hilton to extend a Kansas City drive. We had the no call on Frank Clark on the Burrow shove after about three steps when he was throwing from the pocket. The punt return that set up the game-winning field goal, had some questionable blocking in there. You want to just take it on as a whole? How would you feel like the AFC Championship yeah. game was officiated? You know, it was one of those games that was just – they actually both were really difficult games to officiate. I mean, the first game was, wasn't was really close, but the Chiefs-Bengals game – and again, it just – whenever you have a couple of calls, a series of calls that go in favor of one team, that always tends to magnify it, right? That always – you always, you, you know, things tend to, to even out and, and, and those types of things. But whenever you get that situation and it felt like, you know, all the calls, there were a bunch of controversial situations. It felt like Cincinnati was on the wrong end of all of those. Look, I didn't think the game was necessarily a poorly officiated game. I think there were a couple of situations, specifically the do-over. I think that, that could have been better handled, you know, just from a mechanic standpoint. It started with the officials miss spotting the football after a, after an incomplete pass. Then they move the football. Then the announcement is made that both clocks, the play clock and the game clock are going to start on the ready for play. It was an incomplete pass prior. So that we know the game clock doesn't start. That led the field judge to come in right before the snap loud stadium, very difficult to hear whistles. And, you know, in essence, it was a do over, right. And that went in Kansas city's favor. So I thought that sequence, Certainly could have been could have been handled better. And then you know you get the play at the end. Anytime you have a call like that, the late late hit out of bounds that that ends up being a, a critical critical right. That 15 yards puts Kansas City into field goal range. You're going to get people that are going to you know you, even from an officiating perspective. If I'm sitting there as the head of officials, you never want a flag to to be that important. But you have to call it's it. a foul, and you got to make that call. And if you don't make the call, you're affecting the game. So it's just one of those games. It was it was a tough, tough game to work. I think nationally, Dean, maybe I'm wrong about this. Everybody gets it on that last call that he was out of bounds, two feet out of bounds, can't make that play, feel bad for, for Cincinnati and the young man who made the play. Go back to the punt return. Have you watched the punt return a lot? I did. What did yeah. you, you think of the blocking on the punt I, return? You know, I looked at yeah, I looked at it quite a bit. And there's 
So there's one block where where the Kansas City player, I think it's number 47, he he clearly is approaching from behind. And we always talk about it from an officiating perspective. When you have a player that is in a in a chase position where that player can see the other players, the back of the numbers, that's where the antenna goes up. Ultimately, when I watched it, and I watched it a bunch, there was a second Chiefs player that came from the side that made contact. Their legs kind of got tangled up, and I think that's why the Bengals player went to the ground. I didn't see a clear push or shove. Those are tough, tough plays to officiate. It's happening quickly. You really want that to jump out, to call that you know a block in the back on a punt return. And I thought it was a good no call in that situation. But again, it just there was a narrative during the, it started to grow during the game that look Cincinnati is is kind of on the wrong end of of, of these calls, and that's just going to get people you know get people excited. And and as we've seen the social media. I mean, we're hearing that, you know, the NFL is rigged. I I can tell you, having been a part of the NFL for 25 years, if it's rigged, nobody let me in on it. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't bring me into the secret room where they were scripting it. And as the head of officiating, I'm a little offended that I wasn't involved because, you know, I'm a pretty important person in this whole NFL is rigged circus. So I, I saved the Eagles fourth down catch for the last one that I want to go over from championship week. And the reason I did so is because a materially didn't change the outcome of the game. There's no question about that, but it brings up a relatively new process that I think a lot of people like myself are confused about. And that is the ability in the last few years for someone in New York to communicate with the on field officials if they see something with all those replays that they have in real time, something that didn't exist four or five years ago. I I don't know that I understand what that is that they're able to do and should it have been applied here in this instance? Yeah, I think you are, you are in the majority. I think a lot of people that watch games, it really wildcard weekend. It felt like we saw more of that. They call it a replay assist video assist. It's been, it's been in place though really the last two years but we've seen it more in the postseason, And what that process is, is if the replay official has clear video evidence that the call in the field is incorrect right away, immediately, that the replay official can communicate to the on-field officials, you know, in that situation, they ruled it a catch. If the replay official sees the shot that the ball hit the ground, hey, it's incomplete. They make a quick announcement and we move on. So that's been in place, like I said, for the last two years. That play it's, it's a tough play for a couple of reasons. Philadelphia, and look, every team understands this. They all coach it. If you're not sure if you caught it or you know you didn't catch it, we got to go quick, right? We got to get up on the ball. We got to snap that football because we do not want to give the officials or the other team an opportunity to challenge and correct it. So Devontae Smith got up right away. They went to the line. Now the replay official has to, and it's an NFC championship game with, this is not Sunday at one o'clock, you know, the early window, you know, this goes from eight to 10 cameras on a normal game on Sunday to 25 or 30 cameras. So now you've got more information that you have to sift through. It takes a little longer. And ultimately they didn't have the clear evidence in the replay booth right away. So at that point it shifts to San Francisco having to challenge. They didn't. Next snap goes off, and, you know, the rest, we, we, we saw how it played out. Okay, but that rule that allows the power to New York, to, to that seems to fly in the face of the whole challenge 
that the coaches do. I can't get my arms around how those two things kind of coexist. If we've got an official in New York who, when they see something that's a foul and he stop it, why do we need even coaches challenges at that point? You're absolutely right in terms of the two. It's a very, it's tough for the two to coexist because it becomes like, well, if they can fix it upstairs, why do I have to challenge? Right. Why does why does Kyle Shanahan have to challenge that one when in the Chiefs Bengals game they put Patrick Mahomes down? You know, they ruled it an incomplete pass. They put him down without without a uh, you know Cincinnati having to challenge. So you're absolutely right. And this is something again. I think they're still working through it. Quite frankly, I think the more this goes on, I think you're going to see the competition committee and the league consider doing away with the coaches challenge and saying, okay, if it's all replay, then let's keep it all in replay because the two, it does create some situations where there's confusion. Who's stopping the game. Do I have to challenge it? And I think that creates, you know, situations like we saw on Sunday. So Dean Blandino is with us. All of this comes to a head and we all continue the conversation of how do we get better? I had one of my co-hosts, Danny O'Neill, on a podcast just yesterday. Told him I was going to have another conversation with you. And he said, you know what you got to ask, Dean? Here's what you got to ask, Dean. It feels like that year after year after year, we're asking these officials to do more and more and more and see more and more and more. Are guys going low at the quarterback? Are they hitting them? We're lopping more and more on these guys' shoulders. And I would wonder, A, when was the last time we expanded how many officials are on the field? Are we asking these guys to do too much and see too much that maybe we need another pair of eyes? Or should we just go to the whole sky judge thing that the AAF does where we've got a guy on premises with all these camera angles and all these replays who's making these decisions from above? No, it's a good question. And this is, this is what we've wrestled with. You think about adding another official, right? We've had seven officials since, since the seventies and the game isn't getting slower. It's getting faster. And like you said, rules change every year. We add rules, the technology improves. So we're watching games in, in a way that we weren't able to watch 20, 25 years ago, HD, super slow motion. And I think there's a disconnect because we're sitting at home and we're watching the game and we see the play from five different angles and super slow motion. We say, how did they miss that? And we forget that they're looking at it once at full speed from their angle and, and they don't get to do. So, so do we need an extra set of eyes on the field or do we need to add more replay? Like you said, a sky judge, I think the issue with the sky judge is how far do you go, right? How, how much is in terms of stopping the game or initiating, you know, those interruptions in the game? Cause I don't think anybody wants to watch a game where every third or fourth play, there's a stoppage and an announcement and we're correcting something. So how do you limit it to the things that are truly, truly impactful and use it as a tool to aid the officials. You know, I don't know if an eighth official, we've, we talked about that when I was at the NFL, and there was always that concern about where are we going to put that eighth official? Um, you know, they tend to, if you keep them in the defensive backfield where the old umpire used to be, they get in the way, those crossing routes, it's a safety concern for both the players and the officials. 
so it's a, it's, you know, where do you put that eighth official? How much replay, how much technology do you add to the game? Because I always go back to the basic premise of replay. It's not a get everything right system, right? And some people think it should be. It's, it's a let's fix the obvious mistake in the significant situation system. Mm-hmm. But we have drifted so far away from that. And I don't know if we can pull it back. It's, I think it's going to be tough to kind of put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. And we don't want these games lasting three hours and 45 minutes. That's the other. Uh, I mean, we've got this schedule on Sundays, one o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Eastern for us in the Pacific time zone, 10 a.m., 1 p.m. They've already yeah. stretched it. They've already stretched it to 125. If we yep. if we give these this sky judge or whatever, if we start stopping the game over and over and over again, we're going to be running into the later portion of the games, right? It's just going to be too long. No, no question. And part of the part of the popularity of the NFL, I truly believe on TV is just that, you know, wherever you live on Sunday, if it's on the West coast at 10 AM, I can turn on whatever my local network is. And I'm going to see, I'm going to see NFL football or four o'clock on the East coast, whatever it is. And if we change that, and yes, we've had, we've added Thursday nights and we've done some other things, but for the most part, you know, when these games are, you know, they're going to last, you know what that window is. And if we, if we, again, drift very far away from that, I think that's a concern. And again, it's a balance. You don't want officiating to be the story. You don't want officiating to decide games. Uh, but how much is, is, you know, enough where we can have that, that right, that, you know, that sweet spot. And, uh, and I think they're still trying to figure that out. And everyone's still yelling and screaming. And I don't know what the difference would be. Maybe you can put it into words. Every time there's a, a tough game that we scrutinize. The nation says we got to make these guys full time. Yeah. They can't have other jobs. They're not good enough. They'd be better. The games would be better officiated. If these guys were full time officials, I, is that, that that seems like it's overstated and it's, it's overdone. I I think it is overstated to some extent. I think, I think most people don't and, and they shouldn't because they don't see what actually goes on don't know that officials spend a lot of time. They don't just show up on Sunday and work the game and then go home. They're studying film. They have conference calls. They have zoom calls. They're spending 20, 25, 30 hours a week on officiating, you know, and yes, some do have other jobs. Football's different. It's different than basketball. It's different than baseball. We don't play every day, right? NBA referees, they they're full time because they're working three, four or five games a week, right? When they're not working a game, it's not like they're at some NBA facility working practice. And that's, I think why football is different. It's a once a week game. And that's allowed football officials over the course of history to have other jobs. But again, I don't know if it's making them full time. And yes, anytime you can, you can spend more time on your craft and working at it and doing things. That's not a bad thing. I just don't know if that's going to move the needle because we're still, there's still human beings and the game is so fast. If we had full-time officials, we're still going to have these conversations. I don't think we're going to be able to say they're going to be 99% accurate because they're full-time. Nobody's nobody's 99% accurate in any full-time job that they do. So let me ask the last question uh, for Dean Blandino. It's kind of a preposterous one, but I've been asking silly questions for about 35 or 40 years now. 
our audience would tell you. So I'll ask it to you. Is it possible that the game is just more interesting with mistakes and even if a game every once in a while has an unfair outcome, just as long as we don't go over the line and there's a whole bunch of it, is it possible that these segments, you and I would have nothing to talk about? I mean, is it possible that the NFL likes the fact that we're throwing this around the whole week after the AFC and NFC championship game and it leads us right into the Super Bowl? Or is that just crazy talk? No, I don't. It's not crazy. I wouldn't. I would never say that the NFL likes the fact. I know from my time in the NFL and being in charge of fishing, I, I never wanted the officials to be the story. But the reality is, these things, they, they become part of the history and they become part of the lore that we remember all that call in that game. And it does, you know, just, it adds to the drama. It adds to the interest. It adds to the engagement. So, so I think there is part of that, Like we don't want, we don't want it that purposely to go out and say, Hey, we're going to blow a call because it's going to make the game more interesting, but the game is interesting it's because it's part of the human drama that is life, right? People make mistakes and coaches and players and officials. And it's all part of that, that make the NFL so interesting to everyone. And, 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 and that's, you're absolutely, I think there's a little bit of that, that, you know, we, it gives us something to talk about. And like I said, never going to go out and try to find that, yeah, but yeah. it's going to happen. What's Dean Blandino's role? On the suit, what is it? Super Bowl Fifty Seven in uh, in Fiji. What is Seven, your role? Yes, my role. I'll be you know part of the broadcast. If we, uh, my colleague Mike Pereira will be on the broadcast during the game. If there's anything controversial during the game involving officiating, I'll be able to come on uh, whether it's the pregame or halftime show and 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 add some of my thoughts and even post game. So. We're getting ready to head to Phoenix, and I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a great game. Enjoying being a TV guy, or are you getting tired of it? Are you ready to get back in the field somewhere? You know, I—I I do, I do enjoy it. I just—I always go back to something that 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 John Madden told me. Coach Madden was an unbelievable, uh, just a, 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 an incredible person. He gave so much of his time to the game, and he worked with us in officiating. He said when I went to TV because he was such a legend, right? John Madden TV. I mean, I grew up watching him. And I asked him his advice and he said, don't be, don't be a TV guy, be the football guy on TV. And I've always tried to mm -hmm. stick to that. And uh, I know coach Madden is up there and, and uh, I'm just thankful for the time I was able to just, you know, have a little bit of time with him, and, but I am enjoying it. You're doing a great job. You've been doing a great job, better and better. Thank you so much for joining us on Mitch unfiltered again and enjoy the heck out of Arizona and the warmth. Okay. Thanks Mitch. And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and Fireside Home Solutions, but still some cold and damp months ahead, John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead, and there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to always have a little bit of rain, and we're getting those cold weathers. Our, our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm, and also we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So right about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks, we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now. Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? 
the good and the challenges. What would you say? Oh, well, if I look back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year. So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023 besides your Seahawks win in the Super Bowl. What would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John? Five-star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there, and lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year. I can genuinely say, that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every audience contest that we do on the podcast. So begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. He's back, the president of Zeke's Pizza, Dapper Dan Black. How are we doing, Dan? Good. We're dapper this week, huh? <laughs> we are <All> dapper. Right. <laughs> we are dapper this week. I just spoke to Lindsay at Daniel's Broiler, and since it's award season in the NFL, yeah. I'm hoping that Zeke's can participate with the things that are happening in your world. Are you ready to go through three major awards? We'll see. I think so. <laughs> Geno Smith just won Comeback Player of the Year in the NFL. Who's the comeback player? What is the comeback player of the year for Zeke's? I'm going to give you two. We've got a tie, actually. Okay. So our Redmond location just reopened after a great remodel. So it's a full Northwest pizza pub with a beer bar right now. So that's pretty fun. That's okay. definitely a good comeback because okay. it was closed for a little while. And then we just launched a new app, which has rolled out to about half of our stores, and it's working really well. So for people that are on the new app and are about to be on the new app, uh, ordering's never been easier. So the app in Redmond. What's the biggest difference in the app? The customer interface is super easy. It's super intuitive. So literally after you've taken about 10 seconds to sign up with your email and stuff, pizza's like two button pushes away for the rest of your life. So it's really easy. And then we got rewards for the first time as well. That's cool too. Everybody knows that the Seahawks had a bunch of very solid rookies. I, yeah. need, a, I need a rookie of the year. In the Zeke's Pizza world. I'm going to go with a beer on this one. As we've talked about, we do a lot of collaboration beers with our brewing partners. And we did one with Fremont Brewing this summer called Z-Side Frozen IPA. And we couldn't keep it in stock. It flew off the shelves. And it was a fun one. And so we're working on some more collabs this summer. We're probably going to do some with Ruben's Brews, who's our main brewing partner. I think I've told the story, but we helped launch them back in the day. We met them at a brewing party and. Finney Ridge and part of the reasons they became a commercial brewer was because Zeke's agreed to buy their product. So that's Zeke's and Rubens have a really close relationship. But Dan, there's got to be a location that also should garner some rookie of the year status. No. Yeah. I'm going to go Seward park. Oh. It's cool because it's become a total destination for NFL football games in the bar. And so that has been super fun. And then I'll throw Spokane in there too. And you're not going to like this, but they've become a destination for GU basketball games. It's packed, <laughs> it's packed out with students every game. All right. The only way that you can make up for that, Dan, is to call Mitch Levy your MVP. If I'm not your MVP, then what is or who is the MVP this year for Zeke's? Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're MVP 1A. <laughs> 
You know, I'm going to go with the cherry bomb. The cherry bomb is our most popular pizza and it's, it's the perennial favorite. It's the anchor of the menu and I can't order cherry bomb enough. And most people I know can't order cherry bomb enough. Okay. We got the award Zeke's pizza. You love Zeke's pizza. What a great partner of Mitch unfiltered and Zeke's pizza. Of course is homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. See that at the end of the play, yes. he lifted him up yes. with one hand. My, my. I'll tell you, I think he's the best non quarterback draftable player. Might even include those guys, but look at him fight. Episode 225. So, as everyone figures out what we're all going to eat in our Super Bowl 57 parties, there's another side of the sport of football that's in full swing draft preparation. Scouting, workouts, jockeying for position. My man Danny Kelly covers football for the ringer. He spent his week in Mobile, Alabama, side of the Senior Bowl, and there are rumors, Danny, that you're contemplating a move. Oh, am I? You're thinking about (laughs) Mobile, Alabama full-time. What would life be like in Mobile, Alabama? That's a great question. I think I would have to wait for the weekend to answer that question because they're having a Mardi Gras, but apparently like 600,000 people congregate and do these parades for, there's like four or five parades over a week. I'm guessing that would, it would be pretty fun. But Mobile, Alabama would not be in your top five in the United Pro- States. Probably not. Okay. No offense, Mobile, okay. but yeah. Well, let me tell you who's in the top five this year <laughs> as I segue the Seattle Seahawks. Before we get to the Seahawks, Everybody knows by now that these all-star games, these senior all-star games, more information and more storylines actually come out of practice and workouts than the game. What can you tell us that we can sink our teeth into of anything? Oh. That ha- it's something that happened in Mobile, Alabama at the workouts for the <laughs> senior bowl. Anything? Any news? Let's see. Well, first of all, the one thing that I keep hearing from people, which is probably not what everyone wants to hear, is that this isn't the greatest class ever. That like, But I think this is one of those things that happens every year. It's always like next year's going to be better. The year after that's going to be better. Next year's, I think, and a big part of it, the reason is the quarterback class is not very good relative to like some years. Pretty much every one of these guys, whether it's, uh, you know, Bryce Young, who is, I think, the best football player at quarterback in this class by a long shot, but he's, you know, he's going to be like 5'10". 190 pounds, possibly, maybe a little bit more. It's not like they're going to try and bulk him up a little bit, but he's still a very small quarterback. And so he's going to be a major outlier. And some teams will be scared off by that. Will Levis is, you know, toolsy, but kind of all over the place in terms of his consistency. Anthony Richardson, elite, elite talent and and skill set, but just pretty raw. Like he only has like 13 starts in his college career. And he didn't really elevate his offense when he was playing, to be totally honest. And so there's questions there. And then CJ Stroud, you know, it's a little bit robotic as a passer, and he needs to prove, I think, that he can do things outside of structure. There's no – at the Senior Bowl this week, there's, like, the best quarterback is probably, like, a fourth or fifth rounder. Okay. So yeah, that has been – I think the buzz of the week is, like, people are a little bit underwhelmed with this class. I do think there's a lot of talented players, and I am excited that the Seahawks are going to be picking 5-20 and 20 because there's still going to be a lot of talent. But I think the blue-chip players are maybe not in this class. And so – at that five spot, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody that I would consider a blue chip player falls there. Hold on. Don't get ahead of me now. 
Slow, yeah. slow down, Kelly. Stop your move to Mobile. <laughs> slow the hell down. I want to follow up something that you said about Bryce Young and his size. Mm -hmm. Does the Tua story hurt him? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if like the Tua thing is relatively unique because of the, you know, the concussion situation. But I think overall, this is the same type of fear that teams have had is like a guy with a slight frame like his is going to be taking a beating. And these, I mean, 315, 320 pound guys tossing him around, throwing him to the ground. You know, that's a little bit different when you're 5'10", 185 versus, you know, like a lot of these quarterbacks can shrug off these big players, like the big bends of the world. You know what I mean? Like they're just so hard to sack and they're so powerful and so strong. A guy like Bryce Young, quite frankly, is just going to get thrown. And so I think that is a legitimate concern that that teams have. And, and when you're in person here, like at, at Mobile, and you kind of see how, how big and fast and strong some of these guys are, it's actually like, wow, it's almost honestly a little crazy. Guys don't get hurt more because these guys are so big and powerful. Danny Kelly of the of the ringer. OK, final week of the season. The Denver Broncos are looking like they're going to have the third overall pick to send to the Seahawks. Yeah, they go out much to all of our chagrin and beat the Chargers in the final game of the season, which drops the Seahawks from three to five. Yeah. Which annoys a lot of us because we all had, <laughs> many of us had our designs on either the Alabama linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call him, and the, George, mm -hmm. and the Georgia defensive tackle. And now we're all convinced that <laughs> that win cost the Seahawks a chance at one of those two guys. Before you answer that yeah. question... Here's my Oliver Stone theory. John Schneider was actually secretly happy because I'll tell you why. He was going <laughs> to trade down out of three. Yeah. He was going to trade down out of five. And he would have gotten a lot more grief if he had traded down out of three. Now he's going to be <laughs> able to say those two guys were gone anyway. He'll get far less grief to add picks by trading out of five. What do you think? Of, what do you think of Oliver Stone? <laughs> I'm actually with you on that. You know, it, it's funny because last year he didn't do that. I think he was a little bit too far back in the draft. Like I think they picked ninth or whatever when they took cross and they probably wanted to trade back there, but they needed a tackle so badly that they were just like, okay, we cannot trade back here. But this year, you know, with a little more, with a little more depth. And I think, yeah, he would love to load up on ammunition. They're not, they're not going to have a high pick like this probably, you know, in, in years. And so, yeah, I, I bet that would be the case. And honestly, if there's not like a really early run on quarterbacks, like he could be sitting there with two or three quarterbacks still on the board in theory. And that could be like a good position to be where you're trading back four or five spots. And then maybe you trade back again, another four or five spots and pick up like an extra first rounder, pick up an extra second and, and go that route. But yeah, I could definitely see this theory has legs because he definitely like did well for himself this last year in terms of like his, uh, you know, reputation with the fan base. But if he traded out when either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter were there, people would probably be pretty pissed about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Are they both going to be gone by five? Are we sure about that? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, in fact, I did a mock draft today where the Panthers trading up to number one. And then you have, um, I forget exactly what it was, but I think the Texans took a quarterback and then also the Colts took a quarterback. And that leaves mathematically two guys left for you to pick from at five or one guy left for you at five. And it's either going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. If that happens, if three quarterbacks go, yeah, which I think is possible, but maybe not probable, then you could have a situation like that. But it just depends on how the NFL sees these guys. It's, it's an interesting year because like I said, with the quarterbacks, it's, they're not like blue chip quarterbacks and there's a lot of 
potential veteran quarterbacks out there on the market. So it's this, this market is going to shake out and we'll, then we'll have a little bit better like picture of what's going to happen in the draft. I think. Do you have a view on who you like more between Anderson and Carter? If you're the Seahawks who need both. I mean, honestly, I'd be happy with either. I, I, I think I would slightly rather have the edge rusher than the interior pass rusher, just based on, um, you know, the impact that they they could play the, the way that they could utilize that guy. So I would rather have Will Anderson. I have him rated slightly higher, but I mean, they're both to me, very, very good players. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just think about like the, the impact, like a guy like Nick Bosa makes and you know what he can do just making like making life hell on opposing right. offensive line. Right. There's very few players that can do that from the interior. Like Aaron Donald is one of them certainly, but I don't know if Jalen Carter's Aaron Donald. I think he's a really good player. But I don't know if he's going to be like a you know generational type guy that can absolutely wreck shop in the middle and in, in that kind of way. So I think I would prefer Anderson, um, but I would be very happy with that. Let's go back to the Kentucky quarterback that you mentioned. He's maybe at this stage with a lot of months to go, the most interesting guy in the draft for me because I see some people say, oh, he's going to be the third or fourth or fifth pick. He's really good, mm-hmm. big, strong guy. Somebody's going to trade way up to get him. And then I see right. other, and then I see other people say, "Nah." By the time the draft rolls around, the two guys will go, <laughs> the top two quarterbacks will go, and then he'll be around at twelve, fifteen. He'll be he'll be in the middle of the first round, maybe like. So, do we think that Schneider and Carroll? It's a pure guess, obviously. Right. Do we think that we're that they're enamored by him? That there is a scenario where they trade down, they trade down, they add picks, and all of a sudden. He's still there. He's still there. And they can take their quarterback of the future even after they re-sign Geno Smith. Uh, That's a great question. I kind of feel like Schneider is going to like Levis a lot because he, I mean, honestly, when you watch him, he has an incredible arm. He has a really strong arm. And we know like Schneider kind of loves that kind of guy, like a guy who can like rip it in the wind and the rain and in the cold and all that. Like that's Levis for you. He has just such easy arm strength. He can just, you know, whip a pass downfield. So that's going to be a big part of it. He also, by the way, was used kind of like in a Taysom Hill style uh, manner early on in his career at Penn State, where he was like running like wildcat stuff. He was, he's very athletic. I don't think that the Seahawks necessarily want to do that, but he's athletic is the point. Physically speaking, these are the reasons the NFL loves this guy. He's like a big strapping young man with a big arm. I guess he's not that young. He's kind of old when it comes to prospects, but you know, physically speaking, tools speaking, there's a reason and I can absolutely see why the NFL likes this guy, but he's also, and this is where Pete Carroll might not like him as much um, and might veto him as he has in the past. Vito Schneider, I should say is he turns the ball over and he's a little bit inconsistent with like his decision-making and things like that. You know, that kind of is one reason I think Carol might just be like, we don't need to take this did guy you, right here. You know, did you just describe Drew Locke? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, there, <laughs> there's a lot of people joking. Like he is essentially like SEC Drew Locke. He's like Drew Locke again. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, okay. I can see the upside, but I can also see him being the type of guy that like he was just getting enamored with the tools that he never really pans out. Like he's he's got a really low floor, in my opinion, high, high ceiling, low floor. Obviously, the Seahawks will probably draft a lot in the if they trade down. They already got a bunch yeah. of picks. They're going to have a lot of picks. Whether the overall allotment of this year's class is good or bad, what are you hearing? Are the weak positions, and what are the strength? What, what what's the what are the deeper positions in the draft? Unfortunately, interior offensive line is kind of weak. Cause I know the Seahawks need probably like a guard or a center, center potentially this year. Yeah. They need yeah. A center. center. Yeah. 
I will say this, uh, John Michael Schmitz guy from Minnesota, he's been one of the standouts I'd say here at the senior bowl and he might be there in the second round. So he could be a potential future Seahawk. I could absolutely see that. There's a handful of centers that they could get, I think on day two, there's no elite center. I would say in this, in this group overall, the depth isn't great there. There are a few guys I'm interested in for sure. For the Seahawks, the cornerback group is very deep. So if they want to go get another corner, I could, and I, I think I could see them doing that. You know what I mean? Like get, get a little more uh, depth there, get enough, try and find another guy like Tariq Wollen here. There's a lot of long, fast and physical corners that kind of fit the Seahawks mold. So I think that could be another position that they target. And then the receiver position I think has fallen out of grace in terms of like what the, the like draft apparatus and draft media thinks of them. But I do think it's a deep class at receiver. I could see the Seahawks doing like a second rounder or third rounder on a, on a receiver and, and that guy coming in and being helpful for them year one. I don't think the Eskridge pick, that's not really working out, obviously. And so and one of the things I keep thinking with the Seahawks is they need a good third receiver. Like it's just, I mean, Lockett's not going to be healthy all the time. DK Metcalf obviously um, is amazing, but if he gets hurt, like then what, you know what I mean? And, and so I think they absolutely need another receiver or two, maybe. So no question um, about it. No question about yeah. it. Uh, Danny, a year ago, you were on the show and I'm certain that I asked you, you're on a couple of times. I'm certain I asked you the following question. I don't remember your answer, but I'm going to ask it to you again, which okay. is Charles cross was one. If I remember there were three left tackles up there mm-hmm. around nine, six, five, seven, there, were th- there was a guy from North Carolina State. I don't even remember who they were. You probably remember who they were. There were three or four <laughs> left tackles. We were wondering which of them might be available when the Seahawks pick. They took cross. A, do you remember the three? And B, where does he fit in now that we're a year in? If they had to do it all over again, is he the best of the yeah. three? Is he the best guy? I think he might be. So the three guys were Icky Aquanu from North Carolina State. Evan Neal from Alabama right. and then Charles Cross from Mississippi right. State. And I remember we talked about Cross as a, a very you know, possible pick for them. I was a little dubious about the idea because he was like an air raid left tackle. This is one of the lessons I think I learned last year is that if you can pass protect, like it doesn't matter what else, you, like it doesn't matter if you're a bad run blocker. And like we, we didn't really know whether he was bad or good. He just didn't really have a lot of rep at it but he was so athletic and such a good pass protector that I think that's a big reason they took him. And I think he has been to me, you know, I think Aquanu definitely came on strong in the second half of the year for uh, the Panthers. He went to the Panthers. I believe he kind of did well in the second half of the year, but like Evan Neal has been not very good for the giants. I think they got a steal and cross honestly. And I think he was like a guy that like his pass protect, he was the best pass protecting tackle in the draft. And that lesson I'm taking away is like, if you can pass protect, it doesn't matter what you do in the run game because teams are going to want you. It's a passing league. Yeah, he was, I think that, you know, he would go top five probably this, if he was in the draft this year, or if he like, they redid the draft just because of that. When it comes to this year, there's definitely some good offensive linemen. I don't, I think those guys were probably like above anybody in this class. Right. Final question for Danny Kelly. The Seahawks are going to have five, at least for now, they've got five, 20, and then 37, which I think is actually 36 because the Dolphins, I don't know how that works. The Dolphins forfeit their pick. So 37 is actually maybe 36 and 50. No, I think it is. I think it is 37. Okay. So I'm just, I'm looking at the chart right now. They don't have Miami in the first round here. Okay. So it is, right. I think it is 37. Okay. So it's 5, 20, 37, and 52 in the first and second round. And then they have a third round pick. Somebody asked me, I'll ask you to be successful, how many of those first four picks? should be starters. Mm. 
And when I say starters, you know, if they're defensive tackles, which they need, rotational is fine. I mean, yeah. whatever that means in terms of – yeah. Obviously, if they draft a quarterback, there's one that's not going to be if J if Geno Smith comes back, there's one who will not be an opening day starter. Let's assume they yeah. don't pick a quarterback in those four picks. What would be a fair expectation of Seahawks fans in terms of how many of those four in the top mm-hmm. 52 should be opening day starter quality players? I would say realistically two. I would think if you pick a guy at five, he should be immediate starter, unless he's a quarterback, like you said. But I think if you pick a guy at five, he's going to be plugging into the rotation at the very least and should be an impact player. A guy at 20, same deal. It would be nice if he's like a starter at the very least. Um, those are the types of guys you want in the back end of the first half, like at, uh, first round. It's like a guy that can contribute. You're not necessarily going to be a Hall of Famer, but get, get him in there and start. You know, so if you get two out of those four, obviously you could get a guy that's starting in the second round, a couple guys that are starting in the second round. I think that would be ideal and that would be a huge impact for them. I mean, we saw what difference their rookie dra- uh, rookie class made this year. Like this was one of the best rookie classes, not only in the NFL, but like in the last five years in the NFL, like probably one of the top five classes overall. And we saw like Kansas city is another good example is like they got rid of Tyree kill, but their rookie class has all been contributing this year. And it's such a massive, massive deal for teams and the teams that don't have the rookie class do anything it's like you can absolutely see the product on the field. Like right. the, the teams take a step back if their rookie class doesn't do anything. That's like why the Seahawks have sort of slowly declined over the last few years is they just weren't getting anything from their rookies. I think we could expect two out of those guys to be starters. And if they don't, then it's a failure. When's the draft preview coming out? I just put up a top 32 on the ringer right now for my big board plus a mock draft. And then I'm going to kind of just keep building it from there. Isn't there a publication, like one big one that you send out at the end, right before the draft or no, do I not remember that? It'll be updated to the top hundred. I don't okay. send it out necessarily, but yeah, it'll, we'll do one last big update to the top 100 and yeah, you can go there. You can check out like scouting reports, like my player comps, all that stuff, mock drafts, we do team needs and then draft grades on, on draft night, all that stuff. Fit me in one more time before the draft. Okay. Sounds good. Great to have you back. Danny Kelly. I don't hear the Mobile, Alabama accent yet. <laughs> Maybe by the next time he comes on unfiltered, we'll hear the draw. You, you, have you seen Forrest Gump? It's kind of <laughs> like, I think, right in that range. Like the, you know, the Bubba, Bubba yeah. and Forrest and his yeah. mom. It's yeah. like, I've talked to some people from around here and it's, it's very sim- pretty similar to that. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, thank you. Hey, look who's back on Mitch Unfiltered. It's Katie Versio, the Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen. Golf call happy New Year, Katie. I know what 2022 was like for all of us investors out there. Not good. How about for you guys at Evergreen Golf Call? Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Mitch, back on the podcast. As we've talked about many times, 2022 is a very challenging year for the markets where for the last 10 years or so, we haven't had a lot of volatility. And at the end of the year, the market ended down about 18% and bonds ended down about 13%. So it's been a tough environment for investors. Basically, every asset class was down, but it was a really good year for Evergreen. I would say there was still a lot of volatility in our portfolios, but we find a lot of opportunity during these turbulent times. We manage our portfolios very actively, and this was a real shakeup of a year where we were able to find a lot of clients that may have been managing portfolios on their own, and now we're realizing, hey, this is more complicated than I thought, and I really want to 
make sure that I'm holding up well for, for my own goals here. For those listeners out there that don't have a plan, an investment or a financial plan, or haven't reviewed it in a long time, or just have questions of if you're on track, now is a great time to learn more about our services. So what would be the best way to contact you for our listeners? Do it through the website? Yes. So if you go to our website, www.evergreengk.com, you can learn more about our services on the website. And there's also a client compatibility survey that you can take that will then have one of our advisors contact you. Very good to know. And for all of us who need help, and most of us do with our investment needs, Katie Versio and Evergreen Golf Call are there for you. Evergreengk.com, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 225, Hot Shot Scott. Are you watching Poker Face? I am not. You know of it, though. I I do know of it. I've seen the promos. I'm actually intrigued by it. Where is it? Netflix? Where where do I find Uh, it? I think it might be Paramount. Oh. Paramount Plus. Maybe I don't have it. I think. Or do I have it? You I don't probably even know have everything. Have I'm sure Brett signed you up oh, for every. God. I just don't know the passwords <laughs> for anything. Dad, what's the password? I know. Hey, look at your email. I sent a reset, a reset password. Oh, oh my God. it never I ends. I spend hours of Dad, my Dad, what's the iTunes password? Oh, I don't know. I'll reset I don't know. it now. One of my four Gmails. I'll check to see which one I use. I swear one of these days on all of those services, I'm just going to make my password password. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Just So no one asks yeah. me again. They literally will never ask me again. I'm just going to make my password on every one of those services password. It's actually on Peacock, which I'm sure you okay. get if you have Comcast. Okay. Have you seen those, by the way? But I, I like her. She, what's her name? Oh, uh, Natasha Leone. She has kind of the grass. <laughs> sort, of, sort of a raspy voice. I kind of like her. I like her, too. Redhead? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like her. I saw her in some other things, and I think I liked her. She's, I, I've always just loved her. From yeah. American Pie. She was an American Pie. Remember the she first was in, one? No, I, of course I, I don't remember her in she it. She was I, like the kid who, for some reason, knew everything about relationships and sex. But she's in high school. But she had like this this wise this kind of like a wise mentality. She was great in it. No, but I've always loved. Does her. American Pie stand the test of time? No. If we said to Brett, your daughter's probably still a little young. But if we said to a high school junior or senior, sit down and watch American Pie. Yeah. Would they find that to be funny, interesting, exciting? I think they or, would. Or would they say, oh, that's not funny, Dad. I think some of it would probably make him laugh. But if you remember, they they purposefully filmed a woman on a webcam so everyone could watch it on the Internet, get naked. And that's just not flying. That's No one's laughing at that these days. Oh. Do, do you remember that at no, all? No. So he, he, Jim, the main, uh, the hero, Jim. Uh, he knew that this really pretty Russian exchange student with, by the way, the worst Russian accent of all time. Oh, it's a, go back and watch. It's horrible. What but, was her name? Uh, the actress's name. Yeah, you would know it. Yeah. She wasn't in much, but she made a kind of a splash with that. Yeah. Anyway, they set up a webcam and then they yeah. tell everyone to log on and all of her friends are watching uh, her naked because yeah. they knew she was going to change. In the, yeah. So that stuff, I'm sure Brett's not going to find, you know, we're a little more. Jennifer Coolidge was in it. Well, again, she's sleeping with a high schooler. Oh, yeah. Really? Shit break. Sleeps with her. Now, maybe he's 18. Have you seen, sorry to interrupt, but have you seen the Saturday Night Live actress who does the imitation of Jennifer Coolidge? Oh, it's great. So you have seen Oh, that. yeah. Oh, my God. Really good, huh? Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you see White Lotus or whatever it is? Square Lotus, whatever it is? One's of them, one of them is a restaurant in Factoria. One of them is a show. Yeah. Did you see something, <laughs> Lotus? Did um, you see something, Lotus? I watched a few episodes. Did and you I get into it? I, I didn't give it a fair shot because I thought loved it was going to be something different. 
I thought it was going to be kind of weird and scary. No. But it, it's not that. It's good. People love it. I'm sure. She. Yeah. She's in it doing that whole thing. Uh. Anyway, I, sorry, I interrupted. Oh, so, Poker Face. Poker Face. I'm yeah. loving it. Okay. Should I, would I like it? Nah. You don't like anything. I don't know. I like Square White Lotus, whatever the rest. Oh, okay, I like the well, restaurant and the and the movie. So the it's there, there is an over there's an arc that goes through every episode, but every episode is also kind of self contained. Graz on Twitter told me he it reminds me of Columbo. Oh, I didn't watch Columbo because I'm not 80, but oh, I loved Columbo. So it, and I gotta ask you, yeah, <laughs> and I got a question. That that, that that's kind of her in a way. Oh really? Yeah, you she know, plays she, the Columbo character. Yes, yeah, so Peter she, Falk. She has a gift oh, where with the eye going one way. <laughs> she has a gift where she can tell if you're lying instantly. Oh, really? Like she people put her to the test. She, she'll ask. What's her, the show about? Well, she she can't she can tell if you're lying. Okay, yeah. that's her gift. She made a lot of money playing poker with that gift. Oh, at one point, right? Yeah. So she gets in bed with these guys in a casino in Vegas, and it kind of yeah. goes south. And she goes on the run. They're chasing her now. She stops at all these. She'll stop in a random small town and she'll solve a murder. Oh, okay. We got to watch it. My wife and I got to watch. It. So good. It's not like violent or. Oh, you know, we got to watch that. That sounds good. like something that I would enjoy. And she's not a detective, it, and she's not okay. a cop. It's good. I, I hesitate to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it. Is it like? Do you have to think a lot? Uh, no. Is it like complicated? It's not heady. Is no, it no. complicated? No, no, no. Like where I'm going to be asking questions? You know, what did? What does no. that mean? It's what are they, what are they trying to no. say? No, it's not. Okay. She does all is the thinking just, for is us. Is it right in front of you? I just need something yeah. right in front. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and you can sort of see things. You can see oh. where she's going to go with it. I'm going to watch it. Try the first. I, I would try the first two because the first episode sort of sets up the main arc. I think two and three are better than is one. Is it as good as Kaminsky Method? Oh, boy. I love that. I like that show a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's close. Right, oh, uh, Shannon one. Elizabeth. That was the Shannon one in American Elizabeth. Pie. You let me do her. some other stuff. Can hit, I? Hit can it. I do some other stuff? Not that your thing was another stuff. The Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. Saw that. Yes. Do you care? In the words of Tom Likas, do you care? Tom Likas? Yeah. What's he doing these days? I don't know. A short-lived career. Yeah. Uh, What's Mitch Levy doing? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I bet uh, you Jordan, the guy from Zeke's, knows what Tom Likas is right. doing. He loves that. He loves Likas' podcast. <laughs> um, I don't. Does it do anything uh, for me? I don't watch the NBA like I used to, but I, okay. what I'm reading, the offense is going to be incredible on that team. I dislike Kyrie Irving for a lot of reasons. Right. Just seems like not a good kind guy. Kind of clueless. The, the anti-Semitic stuff. Sure, yeah. There's a lot of reasons to not like Kyrie Irving, so I, I'm not going to like the Mavs. But the Mavericks are sending Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, an unprotected 2029, 2029 first-round pick. We're going to be alive. I know, right? <laughs> Second-round picks in 2027 and 2029 to the Nets in exchange for Irving and Markeith Morris. Okay. Kyrie Irving is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. That's the reason we're in this th thing to begin with because he didn't couldn't get a deal done with the Nets. The Nets wanted some stipulations in his contract, his extension. He said, oh, no, no way. Okay. So the Mavericks might only have him for like 20 games, 25 games. Okay. But while they have him, not that I like him, but it needs to be pointed out, starting backcourt of Luka Doncic. I think that's how you say his yeah, name. Yeah, Don Doncic. Uh, Doncic. No, I think it's... Luka Doncic, let's just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just pretend we know. Okay. Uh, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving. I have to ask NBA historians, <laughs> yeah. when was the last time the NBA threw out a starting five with the following two guards? One guy, Kyrie Irving, 27 points, five rebounds, five assists per game, and Doncic is only averaging 33 and a half, nine rebounds and eight assists per game. 
on 51% shooting. When was the last time an NBA backcourt not bad averaged 60 and a half points per game, Jeez. 14 assists and 13 rebounds a game? That's it's got to be not, never, right? I mean, how much is Luka averaging how many points? 33 and a half, but, 9 and 8 on 51% shooting. Plus, he's slow, unathletic, and <laughs> yeah. and couldn't throw a football for me to you. It drives a six-wheel vehicle that breathes fire, which yeah. is awesome. How many people have even averaged 33 for a season? That's got to be a short list, right? 33? And now he's got a backcourt mate averaging Unreal. 27. Now, maybe you'd say that's not going to work. You know, how could you have two prolific yeah. scores handling the basketball? Maybe there's going to be a, a period of adjustment or something. But anyway, it's, it's worthy that's of at least a... Are you following the Tony Romo soap opera in other stuff? I'm not. Tell me about it. The New York Post, uh, a guy I really trust, Andrew Marchand, he's been on this show before, uh, wrote an article in the New York Post saying that CBS has grown concerned about Tony Romo's level of preparation for his football oh. telecast with the network. Quote, this is Marchand, or Marchand, he needs to be better prepared. As you move away from the sidelines, you need to do more work. I know CBS is aware of this. They tried an intervention last offseason. They knew they anticipated this. Wow. That's a credit to them, the people in charge there. But it has not gotten better this season. Wow. So the man that's making, what is it, 30-something million dollars yeah. a year? Mm -hmm. There's concerns at CBS that he's not doing his homework and he's ill-prepared for these broadcasts. Now, wait a second. Didn't you sort of point that out at I one did. point? I did, a long time ago. That he would say, tackle by number 23. Yes, or, he didn't know names. Boy, number 42 made a nice play there. Yeah. <laughs> you noticed that. Well, that's that's just part of it, I'm sure. That's a small part of it. And uh, others got mad at me when I said that on this on this yeah. podcast. Not Jordan at Zeke's, because he didn't hear. Right. But um, uh, others got mad at me because they were like, a lot, of, a lot of football people do that. 42, 24, they don't use names. But Something kind of hit you weird about it, though, yeah, where it felt a little... He just doesn't strike me as somebody who's at the top of his game. Yeah, it's, it probably came really easy to him when they first tried him out. Right, because he knew everybody. He was just in the right. league. He was in the league yeah, six yeah. months earlier That's or whatever. Right. That's right. But yeah, the further you get away, the, the offense's it. schemes change it. a little yep. bit, and he's yep. not doing his homework. No, but but cash and checks. Fat and happy. It happens. Sam Heward, ever heard of him? I have. Cal Poly. It's beautiful down there. That's where he's going to school. That's wow. where he's going to play quarterback. Got to be smart. Why? The new offensive coordinator at Cal Poly is a guy named Sheldon Cross. Okay. Who used to be the head coach at Kennedy Catholic High School. Heard of it. In, uh, in Burien, Washington. Been there. Do you know who the head coach at Cal I was going to say the Cal Poly something. I don't know what they are. I don't know either. At Cal Poly. You know who the head coach is? I don't. You will recognize the name okay. of the head coach. The new head coach who was just promoted because the head coach at Cal Poly, a guy by the name of Bo Baldwin, you remember him? Bo Baldwin with yeah. Nebraska? No, Eastern Michigan. with the, Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. guy with the great quarterback that came in here and beat Washington. Or no, didn't beat Washington, but he came close to yeah, beating Yeah, threw like 800 touchdowns That's in right. one game. Yeah. He was the head coach, Bo Baldwin was, of Cal Poly. He just left to go become the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. Okay. Leaving the head coaching position at Cal Poly open, and they promoted from within a guy by the name of Paul Wolf. From Wazoo fame? Yeah, that's right. Wow. Played and head played and was the head coach at Washington State. Paul Wolf 
is now <laughs> Sam Ewards, so head coach at Cal Poly. The Mustangs, by the way, Cal Poly. Okay, thank from, you very From much. what I just read. I've actually been to that campus. It's really nice down there. It's a very fashionable. I know that a lot of kids from Max's year in high school mm-hmm. and now a lot of kids that are seniors. I know a lot of kids around here go to Cal Poly. Really? That's like the one of the in places of high school, Seattle area high school seniors. It's yes. like right on the close to the water. It's a San Luis Obispo. I don't know. I'm sure gorgeous. it's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous down there. So, yeah. well, good for him. I hope it works out for him. Does LeBron James getting ready to become the all-time leading scorer? You know that, right? Yes. He's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. When he becomes the all-time leading scorer, and maybe by the time this podcast is released, he'll be that, change the way you think of him. Does it change where you would rank him in your top one or two or three? Does he become the greatest player of all time in your mind if he's the all-time leading scorer? Does that change anything, do anything for you? It does change it a little bit for it me. It does. I mean, he's definitely top top three of all time. Like, without you can't like question it. It's sort of like when Brady won that one for Tampa Bay. Now we can't really question who the greatest quarterback is, right? I mean, so you think the all time leading scoring mark is that important? <sighs> it's it it's it moved. stamps his career. It's there's something to be said about the person walking Earth who scored more points in the history of professional game. In the history of professional basketball, well, it speaks you've to his scored more points than anyone. It also speaks to your longevity. And taking care of his body. Okay. Right? Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. It's not luck. Didn't I mean, take remember, care of his hairline. You, <laughs> how dare you? You remember Kareem at the end was just kind of like shuffling up and down the court. Was like, he? He looked old and kind of, yeah, just kind of hanging airplane. on. airplane. I watched that. Like <laughs> on Saturday night, I watched like the first half of it with him. Roger Murdoch, right? Was that his name? Roger Murdoch? And Clarence and yeah. Clarence, Clarence and yeah. Roger Ryan. Don't the call me thing. Shirley. Yeah. Um, we we, we got to get her to a hospital. What is it? It's a place where they take sick people, but forget about that. <laughs> I laugh every time. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, I think it's impressive. And by the way, is it? do we not give him enough credit for being the most hyped high school player in the history of the game? Oh, and then outliving those expectations, right? I mean, think about how many hyped high school players. I guess there's a part life. of me that just doesn't want to give him. Of his course, I, I I want Kareem to have that record as long as the game exists. I don't really care that Kareem has the record or he well, has. See, the I, record. I like Kareem. I'm a Kareem. Guy. I think if you grew up in the Jordan era or not grown up, I think I was grown. <laughs> you sure were. I was a grandfather. Yeah. I think if you watched and you paid close attention in the Michael Jordan era, it's just difficult. I don't know why. Yeah. You just don't want to do it. You want to resist the, the temptation. And it's not enough that we, as Michael Jordan fans, think that Michael Jordan was better. Right. Anybody who thinks Michael Jordan was better than LeBron James will say something like this. Oh, my God, it's not even close. Yeah. Ah, come on. They're not in the same class. How could you even put them in the same breath? Like, it's not even good enough that Michael Jordan is a little bit better than yeah, LeBron right, right. James yeah, yeah. to people who think Michael Jordan were better was better. It's got to be like leaps and bounds. He was leaps and bounds better. I don't know what it is. We just want we want to protect Michael Jordan's right. legacy for some reason. And I, uh, who gives a shit? Michael Jordan doesn't give a shit. <laughs> who gives a shit about anything? I, I don't know. <laughs> why, why do I care so much? Why do Michael Jordan? And I, I, I don't even know that I'm a Michael Jordan fan. If, I don't recall even rooting for Chicago when he was playing for them. Yeah, but I just feel. I feel a responsibility yeah. to that era to not allow LeBron James into the mix. He's not allowed. 
He's a Super Bowl player. He was better than Kobe. He was better than most. Yeah. But he wasn't in the same league as Michael Jordan. When maybe he was. Maybe he was better than Michael Jordan. I happened to put SportsCenter on, which I don't do often, and they said he's 84 points away. I didn't even know he was like that close. Well, until like okay. three days ago. Well, that's not, that's an indication. Yeah, that's so more about you than anybody. But if I'm being honest, my first reaction was, "Shit, he's gonna beat Kareem." I don't want him to be the all-time leading scorer. Oh, you don't. I just I don't want it. I don't know why. I, I Kareem changed the game. They literally changed the rules of basketball. He transcended the game. He never gets enough credit as the greatest player of all time. Uneffing guardable in his prime. Maybe he was better than LeBron. Played deep. I mean, forget Would it. You he, put him higher than LeBron. That's a tough one. Probably. I probably would. I mean, go back and watch that Kareem documentary. I think we, we have short memories about how good Kareem was, how dominating he was at the height of his powers. And a pilot. Yeah, and a pilot as well, yes. And also a kung fu master where we fight Bruce Lee once in a while in the movies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, when I heard he was going to, I was like, I, I don't think I want him being the all-time leading scorer for some reason. And maybe it's the brand of basketball. People go, well, what if, what if Larry Bird, what if a 23-year-old Larry Bird played today? I mean, how many points would that guy have in a season, right? And back then, the, you know, the Jordan the Jordan defenders also like to bring up the defense. I mean, guys were getting their asses kicked when Jordan played, right? With the bad boys and yeah. the Knicks. Remember those Knicks teams, the yeah. Oakley? And yeah. So, yeah, I, it's it sort of bothers me that he's going to be the all-time. God love him. He stayed healthy. He did it. He's an old man. And he's out there still playing with young guys. And it would bother you a lot more if he had a full head of hair. You've got oh, that. you can't got, have it all. You've got yeah. that to lean back upon. That's true. Right? Right. I'm just going to go by and run my hands through my hair right in front of him. Oh, it's nice having all your hair. Uh, I have a few others, but you want to go? Do you have something that you want to you want to throw a couple at us? You like a nice Alec Manoa? Yeah. Big fella? The Toronto Blue Jays pitcher? Yep. Yeah. What about him? So Anthony Recker, a former MLB catcher who's been breaking down players and games for the MLB Network, made some comments on MLB Tonight that Took a little shot at Manoa's six foot six, two hundred eighty five pound frame. I don't know if you saw this. He said, "Show me you're willing to put a little more time in the gym." Rucker oh. said. Well, okay. Manoa caught wind of it and was none too pleased about that, and uh, tweeted out the following: "Hey, Anthony Rucker, my job isn't to please you. You are an outsider. You don't know me or my work ethic. What I do in the gym has clearly worked. Check the numbers. Sucks you can't say the same for yourself." Ooh. So Wrecker immediately tried to backpedal a little bit, telling his remarks were taken out of context. Manoa thought uh, Manoa wasn't buying it at all, said, you're just like everyone else. Love to talk and then want to say sorry when you get called out. If you want to see how an all-star, first-team All-MLB, and Cy Young finalist trains, come meet me at the gym. So we'll follow the uh, mm. the back and forth with these mm. two. That's a big dude, six foot six, 285. Yeah, started in game one against the... Uh... I didn't know he's that heavy. Game one of the I didn't realize he was that heavy. I know he's big. Yeah, he's really big. Big boned. He's optic. <laughs> well, a little more than Zoftic. I mean, <laughs> Lord. Husky, I used to get called as a kid. I hate Husky. 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 Oh, that was the worst. The Husky department at Sears. God, who needs it? <laughs> Scarred me for life. With Travis uh, and Jason Kelsey facing off. You the try Super living Bowl. with this schnoz. Go ahead. <laughs> Fans are petitioning to get their mom, Donna, to do the coin toss before the game in Arizona, which is oh. actually, I think, kind of a cool idea. It's got more than 15,000 signatures, this petition. It was started by a Chiefs fan who's lobbying the NFL to allow Donna to participate in the, okay. the tradition since the big game has been dubbed the Kelsey Bowl. By Ooh. the way, first brothers to ever face off in a Super Bowl. It's nice. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool if Donna Both did it, right? Players. Both good players. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Taylor asked on a podcast. Yeah. Got to know how to get podcasts. Yeah. 
who the best five defensive players of all time are. Good question. Would you like to hear Lawrence Taylor's top five? Of all time. Of all time. Okay. The greatest five defense. Well, the greatest five defensive players he's ever seen. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. Number one, Lawrence Taylor. Okay. <laughs> Number two, yeah. Reggie White. Number three, Deacon Jones. Number four, Deion Sanders. Number five, Ronnie Lott. Lawrence Taylor's top five. It's pretty good. People are pissed that he didn't put Aaron Donald on the list. I'm pissed he didn't put Dick Buckus on the list. Ooh. Do you remember him a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm too young to. <laughs> could, could he play? Yes. I only saw him in highlights, but holy lord, that guy yeah, was, was a, always bigger than everybody was. Yeah, gigantic, massive man. He he couldn't beat Luca in a foot race either. By the way, <laughs> somehow managed to chase people all over the field. He and could beat Luca. Everybody, shit yeah, I can beat Luca. Yeah. in a foot race. Are we sad about Brianna Stewart? Hot shots. Yeah, I, it bummed me out. I was really Did pissed it? off. Yeah, I was. It just bummed me out. I was yeah. like, wow, really? And it's, after she signed with the Liberty, the next person, the next great free agent signed with the Liberty. Yeah. They're making a super team over there. Yeah, they're doing this. The whole, yeah. taking their talents to South Beach routine. Yeah, making a super team. Yeah, I actually love watching Storm games in the summer. Yeah. I usually fast forward to like the third quarter, and if it's a good game, I'll watch it, you know, yeah. but I, I enjoy watching the Storm in the summer, and yeah, not it's going to suck. No Sue, no Brianna. It's a bummer, man. Should we boo her when she comes back? Of course. And I love her, but I'm booing the heck out two, of her. If two she titles? Back. I know. They won't boo her. Storm fans are not booing her. No, they're just not. So how do we decide? Maybe this is for another podcast. How do we decide as a sports society sports city who what stars when they leave on their own accord we're going to boo and which stars when they leave on their own accord we're going to cheer how do we decide yeah that? That's what's a good the question. what's the line what's the line of demarcation i think maybe if 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 they were forcing their way out instead of just saying well they, they're going to pay me more i'm going that way well brianna stewart's not getting paid more She's not. It's not more than what the Storm I don't think offered? so. I, th I think in the WNBA, there's just a, a number that they set. all... Yeah, I think she's going to make the mm. same money, if not less. Yeah. She's just decided she doesn't want to play here anymore. She wants to play in New York. And, it, and she grew up in Syracuse, New yeah. York. Everybody knows the story by now. And we're going to cheer her. They won two championships here. Yeah. She was great. They're going to cheer her. They're not going to boo her. They're not going to boo her, no. Russell Wilson won a championship, almost won two here. Yeah. Was great. Probably the greatest quarterback of all time here. Yep. They're going to boo him. Yep. A-Rod, they boo. Griffey, they didn't. Griffey forced his way out. He forced didn't his way out. Yep. Didn't want to play here anymore. Yep. Never won anything and here. He can do no wrong in can Seattle. How do we decide? That's a good question. We got to figure that out. I don't know. I, I need a list. It felt I like... Need, <laughs> I need to be able to consult a list. If this player accomplished bang, 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 and bang, you cheer. Right. And yeah. if this, <laughs> this player yeah. did this, 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 and yep. this, you boo. I just got to know. Somebody's got to give me a chart. It'd and I nice. got to be able to... Yeah. It did feel like there was three years of Russell sort of sniveling a little bit and throwing, you know, kind of complaining and bitching. Maybe people just had enough of the yeah. the two or three years of that. Brianna Stewart could have stayed here. Yeah. One more championships here. She's beloved here. She said, no, I'm leaving. It just sucks. And then she put in the emojis of the Empire State Building yeah. and, the, and the, the whole Statue reveal of Liberty. The whole thing. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, kind yeah. of annoying. So why don't we boo her? Let's boo her. I'm in. Let's go. Nobody's First game. Gonna no one's yeah, gonna she's boo not going to get booed. No. It just sucks when you. The, she's literally the best female player on the planet, and you're. Is she? She if, didn't win the MVP. If you're not, if she, she's probably the best player, and she's top two, three. I don't know. Okay, but she's not Asia. Whatever her name is, I don't know who be. the MVP is. She's won the MVP. I think she at has, some yes. point. But in the last couple of years, no, I think the game is starter in the Olympics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she's been she's been slipping a lot. Lately. Let me tell you who we are gonna boo. 
The Colorado State basketball fans. Okay. I say fans because I don't know if it's students, fans, or both. Colorado State forced to issue an apology, Hotshot Scott. Oh, boy. After the student section chanted, Russia, Russia, at an opposing Ukrainian player. That's nice. Fans at Moby Arena directed the chant at Utah State's Max Shulga as he shot free throws late in Saturday's 88-79 win over the Rams. Shulga is from the Ukraine, where his family still resides. Quote, on behalf of Colorado State, we apologize to the student athlete and to Utah State. This is a violation of our steadfast belief in the Mountain West sportsmanship policy and university principles of community. Every participant, student, and fan should feel welcomed in our venues. And for something like this to have occurred is unacceptable at Colorado State University. Yeah. That's a little sensitive these days, right? With the with uh, actual war going on. I mean, yeah. Sometimes nowhere to draw the line somewhere. Sometimes students don't think yeah. before they act, which is why I guess there's students. That's There's right. still learning in life exactly and what right. to say and what not to say. So, yeah, Derek Jeter says he was slumping so terribly in 2004. He turned to one thing that got him out of his rut. He wore a golden thong. Is this true? The former Yankees captain made this surprising and hilarious revelation while playing a game called True Confessions with Jimmy Fallon and Rita Ora on Wednesday night's The Tonight Show. No, I don't believe this. He said, I once wore a thong in it's public in front of thousands of people. It's a joke. Really? He Gotta says be. he's serious. No. Joke. Not buying it. Th- that's what they said. He said it was real. It's a real tale. I swear. He said he had a teammate in 2002 who swore up and down that wearing a golden thong got him out of any slump. So Jeter initially thought it was a bunch of shit. He put one on at the start of the 04 season, and his first hit was a home run with the golden thong on. And he got out of his slump. Maybe he's lying. I don't know. But they were trying to call BS on him, too. So if anyone's in a slump, there you go. Jeter gave you the secret. I think I'll wear one for episode 226. Uh, (laughs) Finally. Groundhog Day, you like it? I think it's a fun little tradition. Yeah, why? The movie, the movie. I'm oh, asking. I thought you meant the actual day. <laughs> no, uh, Puxatani Phil. Shit about Puxatani <laughs> Phil. I'm asking about the movie. I, I like it a lot, actually. Groundhog Day producer Trevor Albert revealed that the filming for the movie was extremely uncomfortable due to Bill Murray and Harold Ramis's unhealthy working relationship. Groundhog Day is a film directed by Ramis that starred Murray and Andy McDowell. Loved Andy Me McDowell. Me too, big fan. Despite making six films together, Ramis and Murray never got along. Ramis. Yeah, Ramis. Harold Ramis and Murray never got along. Albert revealed that when they were filming for Groundhog Day, Murray was not in a good place. Why are we? We've heard this about Murray before. Yeah. Which eventually led to some rift between him and the director. Albert told The Hollywood Reporter it was a tense shoot for a number of reasons. It was unfortunate and probably made the movie considerably less fun to make, but you can still make a very good movie when people are not in perfect harmony. This was also because of Ramis. He wanted another actor for the role that Bill Murray portrayed. Oh. It was revealed that Ramis wanted Tom Hanks or Michael Keaton for that part. Huh. It was the film's writer, Danny Rubin, who suggested getting Murray for the lead role. However, Ramis wasn't open to the idea since he thought a comedian wouldn't perfectly fit what he was trying to accomplish. Ultimately, Murray landed the part and significantly impacted the film's history. Are you a fan of that movie? Love it. Yeah, I love it too. Love Groundhog Day. When he first kind of figures out what's going on, the next day he's smoking at breakfast and eating donuts and all the shitty stuff, like the worst food you can eat. What does it matter, right? Who gives a crap? Phil? 
Yeah. Bill Connors. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My kids, like when they were like five and eight, yeah. would walk around going, Phil? <laughs> and then after like the fourth day, he just Bill punches Connors? him right in the face. So funny. Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Ned Ryerson. Yeah, good call. Yeah. All right, you see the 19-year-old that was arrested and booked in Iowa for what cops are saying was a phony charity scam that raked in tens of thousands of dollars? I did not. All from people who believe she had cancer? Oh, no. I mean, come on. Come on. Ma- Madison Russo, she's been charged with first. Ah. She's this TikToker, and she was documenting her health journey. Health journey. Yeah, exactly. The authorities are now saying TikTok. it was completely made up. TikTok. She entered criminal territory after she raised thirty-seven thousand dollars from four hundred and thirty-nine people on her social media. There's pictures of her with IV bags and tubes that ran through her nose and medical tape and gauze. They found all this shit in her apartment. <laughs> medical supplies, Jesus. a wig, pills for nausea. Oh. God. In other words, all these were props for her videos. So she has been I arrested. I much prefer the oh. the um. Food deliverer at the Duquesne game yeah. for TikTok. <laughs> right. But you see the six-year-old kid that delivered. He had $1,000 worth of Grubhub delivered to his house no. using his dad's phone. No. $1,000 worth of food a six-year-old <laughs> ordered up to the house. God, I'd be so pissed off. Oh, oh man. God. All right, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, they planned to... Have you seen their Bel Air home that they were going to... No, 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 no. She's selling it, Jennifer Lopez, if you'd like to buy her Bel Air home. How much? $42.5 million. That's a certain amount. Here's the weird thing to me. In 2016, she bought the house for $28 million. So I'm happy she's going to make a couple bucks in her life finally. Flipping houses. She bought it from Cela Ward. Oh, sisters. Cela Ward can afford a $28 million house. In love Cela Ward. I, I love her too, but she, love she makes that Ward. kind of loot. That was Where's Cela Ward gone? Where's she been all my that's life? That's why she sold the house love for $28 Cela million. Yeah, she's really, 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 really. RIPs, yes. Uh, your buddy Naomi Osaka, pregnant with her first yeah, child. Well, Congratulations. That's, well, that's a couple of weeks old. couple weeks? Yeah, I think I brought it up to you. You did? No, I don't. I don't think, think so. you did either. Um, RIPs? Yeah. I got a couple. I got, I got couple one. Two. You got one that two, we're, we're both going to be three. bummed about. We've got three. I've got three. I have one, two. Cindy Williams. Okay. 75 years old. Ron Howard called her unpretentious intelligence, talent, wit, and humanity impacted every character she created and person she worked with. We were paired as actors on six different projects American Graffiti, oh, a yeah. couple of drama- dramas, and then Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Lucky me. R.I.P. Cindy. Shlemiel Schlamazel. Yeah. You think about that Cindy show. Cindy Williams, 75, now joins Penny Marshall, who passed away not right. too long ago. Yeah. You don't think of that show as like, be, like probably wouldn't hold up. Not a great show. It it was one of the most watched sitcoms. In, I was never the, a fan. Really? Yeah. It won six Golden Globes yeah. or had six Golden Globes nominations, I should say. It won an I Emmy. I never was a fan. Emmy. Really? Yeah. But it was on. Wasn't it on right after I Happy I think it Days? was Lenny and Squiggy that bothered me. Oh, see, I like that. I never liked those. Hello. Yeah, As they like kicked the door guys. in. I don't like the guys. Milk and Pepsi. The lone wolf. I don't, who was the frizzy haired guy that would dance and sing all the. the, the big, Carmen. Carmine. Carmine. The big ragu. <laughs> was that his name? You just show up and slide across oh, the floor I, I and dance. I was never a fan. Really? I was annoyed. I uh, liked Happy Days more, but I watched it. A lot more. A lot more. Pretty incredible how many. Who else do you have on the RIPs? That show, uh, You're not going to know this one or care, but our, our wrestling fans mm-hmm. will. Lanny Poffo. No idea. Wrestler, but he was the younger brother of? No idea. The late former St. Louis Cardinals professional baseball player, Randy Savage. You know the wrestler, Macho Man Randy Savage? Yeah. yeah. Who played for the baseball for the Cardinals? Didn't know that he played baseball. That was his brother. Lanny Poffo and Randy Poffo were brothers. So Lanny Poffo passed away, according to, I love his friend, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, (laughs) is the one giving us the news. (laughs) It made me laugh. In 85, Poffo joined the WWF. So. 
he was there for the golden age of Hulkamania. He was never huge, kind of a jobber, so to speak. Um, but yeah, he was there. He must, uh, poor guy had story after story. I wish he was still around. 68 years old. Two sports related RIPs and then the headlines. Okay. Stump the band. Who was the first hockey player to sign a $1 million contract? And by $1 million contract, I don't mean $1 million a year. Okay. I mean a contract that was overall worth $1 million. Who was the first ever to do it? Gordie Howe. 1972, Bobby Hull. Oh, okay. That would have been my second. The Golden Jet passed away at the age of 84 this week. He did, okay. Hall of Famer, longtime Chicago Blackhawks player, 1961 Stanley Cup star, 12-time All-Star Hall of Famer Bobby Hall, the Golden Jet, long golden blonde hair, and he was fast on the ice at age 84. And his contract, by the way, in 1972? How many years? 10 years, 1.75 million total. In 10 years, I'll be a millionaire! God, that's amazing. Uh, And then the other one was Bobby Beathard. Did you know the name Bobby Beathard? 86 years old. He was the longtime general manager of the Washington then Redskins, 1978. Yeah. Landed with Washington as a general manager. He built rosters that went to three Super Bowls. Oh, right, yeah. Winning two. He was responsible for drafting guys like Daryl Green, Art Monk out of, uh, Russ Grimm. Sure, those were good teams. He's also the GM who hired Joe Gibbs, pretty good coach. Not bad. As Washington's head coach in 1981. Bobby Beathard, whose son, I believe, son or grandson, might be grandson, C.J. CJ Beathard, who was a quarterback for the 49ers Oh, that's for a while, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dies at the age of 86. Ah, rest in peace. Headlines. An Instagram model known for her out-of-this-world appearance says she's going back to a natural look because ah. one of her massive 38J implants popped. Oh, Jesus. She's somehow taking it all in stride, but still feeling a little deflated. <laughs> the Fulton County District Attorney appears Half-hearted to be bell. closing in on an indictment for Donald Trump. Melania calls it a partisan witch hunt, vowing, quote, if Donald is somehow convicted and he has to go to prison, I'll do everything in my power to wait two weeks to start dating. A human penis was discovered by a gas station attendant in Alabama. Boy. Police say they do have a suspect, and to no one's surprise, it's that old Russian back at it again, the notorious Ivan Cut Your Cock Off. A woman, a woman in Minnesota is. I made the same joke in fifth grade. A woman in Minnesota and three times on the podcast. <laughs> a woman in Minnesota, but Jordan and Zeke didn't hear it. <laughs> Good. Uh, a woman in Minnesota facing assault charges after bashing her boyfriend in the back of the head with a whole chicken. Hey, could have been worse. Could have been Thanksgiving. Brian Koberger, the man charged with the University yeah. of Idaho student massacre, already has a suitor named Brittany Hislope, who has written a series of Facebook posts professing her love for the accused murderer, calling him the perfect man for her. Go ahead and think about that as you sit alone on Valentine's Day. He's more sought after than you are. And finally, the suspected Chinese spy balloon was shot down by the United States military. Hard to believe the pilot who shot it down was Representative George Santos. Are we getting political? Episode 225. About a guy who lies every two seconds? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> a sympathetic figure if yeah. there ever was one. <laughs> Remember Joy, uh, Lovitz? What was Lovitz's first name? John. Yes. Yeah. 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 Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> Acting. I like John Lovitz. Whatever happened to him? We need People to bring him back. tell me I look like John Lovitz. Oh, yeah. Bothered me that's that's, that's no good. In your mean, 20s, they told you that, too. I mean, that's even worse. 15. <laughs> 15. Uh, all right, prediction on the Super Bowl. Are we doing that? I'm slightly leaning to Kansas City. 
24. 27-23. Okay. Kansas City 27, Eagles 23. Just a slight. I feel I feel like a little more of a beating. Really? Yeah, I feel like a 31-13 kind of game. Really? Yep. Okay. I think the Chiefs are going to give it to them. Okay. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the Super Bowl. This is episode 225. Thank God. Hi, Jordan. It's in the book. <laughs>